Welcome, everyone, to All the Way Down, Episode 6. I am your host this evening, Invictus Knox. Uh, it's not evening for you. Probably it's probably morning for you. You guys, you guys are awesome, and you listen at other times of the day. So this is Dash Retro, my That's co-host me. for the evening. That's him. Um, tonight we're talking about one thing first, real quick, before we get into the subject. You were just talking about monitor counts. Well, you yes. mentioned that you you use three monitors, uh, which is kind of nuts, though, because. Yeah, I mean, like, growing up, you know, we always had one monitor. No one ever considered more, you know. And then one, you know, when I was a little bit older, I got a second monitor. And, yeah, I, I remember my parents coming over one time, and, and they saw that I had two monitors, you know, and they both had the desktop wallpaper on them, and they were like, why do you need to see everything twice? And I was like, no, no, no it's just it's a second monitor, you know. You got two workspaces. Mm-hmm. Um but you you use three, you say, and one of them's a CRT. I use three because um, I'm a streamer, and therefore have a specific need for a lot of bunch of shit. I got to pay attention to at once. Uh, so it's one that I had purely because I was tired of not being able to see my chat. I'm, I don't have the best eyesight, so I wanted to put a Twitch chat window as a whole monitor and I can make nine by 16, the monitor aspect ratio in windows. So it's just a gigantic Twitch window right here. And what I didn't realize, and here's, here's where this is going to come into play is, uh, it's not that utilitarian to have, but with another monitor, like a monitor specifically for video, um, any kind of aspect ratio doesn't matter. I just use it to listen to stuff, to watch stuff. And then my main monitor in the center, which is the normal 16 by or nine by yeah 16 by nine normal widescreen display, which is what I do most of the stuff like active window stuff on. So, uh, full screen fighting games that aren't retro, uh, retro games on the CRT, you know, for four by three, and obviously the benefit of CRT. And then this window over here for Twitch chat. But what I didn't know is just how insanely good it was going to be for things like Discord, for things like Twitter, like things that are made to be... I mean, it's this giant phone screen. I essentially just have a giant phone screen. It's a, yeah, That's the exact yeah. ratio that you would have as a, as a normal smartphone, so... Yeah, yeah anything right, useful. like Discord or Twitter or Twitch chat, all that, that does sound like it would work well on a, on a portrait, portrait uh, monitor, uh, for sure. Portrait. Yeah, and the the I remember the first time I saw it, I thought it was the dumbest shit in the world, um, because I was working in an office uh, when I was doing software QA work, and uh, the, one of the dev team had a monitor turned up like that, and back then it was fine because they didn't have all these fancy desk mounts. They were just using the normal HP stand, and it just happened to rotate, so they were able to flip it sideways and use it like a nine by sixteen monitor, and they used it for programming. So he I was had just long say, sheets, yeah, long yeah, yeah, sheets yeah. of um, CSS, HTML, uh, C plus plus, all that sort of good stuff. So yeah, I was just gonna say, like, so at my work, I don't do programming, but I do a lot of like SSH terminal work, you know. Mm-hmm. And having yeah. a having a vertical monitor would be really nice for that. I've considered getting a four by three monitor for it. Just because you don't need an SSH terminal to be wide, you know? Yeah. Um, and I would maybe like it to take up a little bit less space on the desk, you know? Well, but yeah, actually, not just, gonna do that. <laughs> just just turning the monitor upright, you know, might might uh, help with that. 
But yeah. yeah, so the funny thing for me about monitors is that I used two for a long time. Excuse me. I used two for a long time, but then recently I actually went back down to one monitor per PC, and I use two PCs now. Nice. So I've always got two mice and two keyboards and two computers. Um, the 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 original reason is because... I whenever I wanted to stream a retro PC game, it was a nightmare to get like OBS and everything properly working with it, you know, um, you know, like original Fallout and StarCraft and that kind of stuff. As a and game so, capture or window capture? Or? Yeah, like whatever it would take without crashing, and then also mm. it would like change the resolution of my other monitor when I booted it up and that kind so of thing. So you have two PCs to just completely separate the environment. I like the yep. idea. Yeah, yeah I, I want to do it eventually. Yeah, it's so much easier to just pass a gaming PC through a capture card just like it's another console. Uh, I, I guess the, the downside of it is that it limits your gaming monitor to what your capture card can handle. Correct. I guess. So, yeah, like I have a 1080p 60 frames per second capture card, right? So even if I wanted to start using like a 120 hertz monitor or uh, go to you, 1440p or whatever, I, I can't yet. You can. There are things that have passed through for 4K and 1440p and stuff like that. Um, to that end, I would divert you to Epos Vox's YouTube channel. That's a ah, good yeah. shout out there. He's he's like the capture card guy right now. Right, like of course I could do it if I bought more shit, but that's oh my you're just saying though. with your current arsenal, yeah, yeah, I see what yeah. You mean. yeah. Like I can't just replace my monitor and have it be upgraded. I I have to upgrade other stuff because of my setup. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, okay, well, that we just had to get that weird techie bit out of the way to 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 just start off with. But uh, so we're gonna we're gonna get to tonight's ultra uber subject um, in a little bit here. First, we want to talk about Dash, something Dash has been playing lately, and we talked about it before because Dash is um, an ultra mega fan. Except you know maybe he's not wearing a T-shirt right now of this game called Binding of Isaac, the Binding of Isaac, rather. That's and, right. Uh, there's there's some DLC out, isn't there? Yeah, so a new expansion for The Binding of Isaac came out. Now, I'm a huge, huge Binding of Isaac nut, as as right as you were just saying. Um, so, yeah, I think it's probably due to give, like, a very brief history of this game uh, and why this is maybe significant. Um, original game was a Flash game. The Binding of Isaac originally was made in Flash, and uh, it came out in what, like, uh, I don't know, like 2013 or 2012 or something like that. Uh, and it was like five bucks. And it was great. Uh, I played it for like 500 hours, maybe more. And uh, really, like, that, that was that for five bucks, there was like nothing better for the, for the price. And, um, and man, I just, uh, you know, I thought it was just this 10 out of 10 amazing game, right? Then. They remade it. They were like, all right, it turns out that this little piece of shit $5 game is actually like a huge phenomenon now, and we need to make an actual good version of it. Uh, Where was so, it blowing up, by the way? Um, so Twitch and YouTube was okay. the big thing. So yeah, Ed McMillan, the creator of it, was saying that it, it was kind of a, a weird thing to see 
where with like his previous game was Super Meat Boy. Should have mentioned that earlier. This is the same guy that made Super Meat Boy. Uh, different programmer though. So Ed McMillan does the game design and the artwork, and then uh, Super Meat Boy was programmed by Tommy Refinus. And I think that's how you say his last name. Sorry if it's wrong. Uh, and then The Binding of Isaac was um, designed and artwork done by Ed still, but the programmer was Florian Himsel. Uh, also <laughs> don't know if that's how you say his name. Um, so you but, say Florian, uh, at least. Yeah. So um, so it, the what one thing he was saying in the interview about it was that it was really interesting because uh, Super Meat Boy was a game that got, like, they did as much as they could as far as, like, advertising for it. When it came out, it was going to be on the front page of Xbox Live and that kind of thing, right? And it was just, like, most games were, like, most of the sales happen right away, you know? And then there's a large drop-off after that, and over time it kind of sells less and less as, as time goes on. Uh, but then Isaac was very weird because it did the opposite. You know, it came out, no one really knew about it. He didn't advertise it much. And, uh, but, you know, a few people bought it. But then, probably thanks to the uprising of YouTube Let's Plays and Twitch becoming a much, much bigger platform uh, and all that, this was a game that kept selling more. Like, it kept. More and more every day, he kept selling more and more copies of it, and was like, "What the fuck?" Uh, and then, yeah, so it kind of turned out that it was because it was such a such a replayable game, and like that that roguelike nature of it combined with like these newer platforms and stuff um, helped it kind of grow in that way, right? So they're like, "All right, we got to make like a real version of this game, and not not have it be in Flash." Uh, so the company he teamed up with the company Nicholas which they made Cave Story Plus. Uh, and like a some DLC other... to Cave Story? or No, it, it, it's a remake of Cave Story. Oh, okay. So they just have, um, a, they have a history of remakes then. Yeah. So they remade uh, The Binding of Isaac, which was a big deal because... Um, the like the original game in Flash, you can imagine, like it had a terrible frame rate. Uh, it played in a relatively small window... And, uh, you know, just just generally generally was a very rough around the edges game. Um, so, yeah, Rebirth came out and it was it was on its own engine. Like they basically made the engine for it. It's not on, you know, Unity or whatever, uh, you know, runs at 60 FPS. It's got pixel graphics, which is what Ed originally wanted instead of the flash style. Um, so now it's got pixel graphics and everything is much more solid, you know. On top of that, they added a bunch of stuff to it, like some really weird cryptic stuff. Uh, there was... The, so, so the game was mostly just a fixed and better version of the original. And I got... Like, they knocked it out of the park. Like, the as much as I loved Flash Isaac... Um, it's, like, unplayable by comparison because of, like, now you go back and you, you try to play it. Did you start with the Flash game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so, like, and, and, yeah, it's, like, unplayable by comparison now to go back because of how much better the just the frame rate and, and overall performance of the new one is. Um, so, yeah, that was cool. Uh, there was some really cool stuff that they added to it. Like, there was this one character where... 
Um, so in the game, there's a certain type of item called a trinket, which is just like a passive effect that you can only hold one of at a time, and they drop every once in a while. And it's like, oh, there's a trinket. That's the one that makes more hearts spawn or something. You know, you see hearts more often or whatever, so I'm going to carry that with me. And then maybe you see the one that's like, oh, you know, that one makes it so that uh, you can walk on spikes without getting hurt, and I want that one instead, right? So you swap them. So that's what a trinket is. There was one trinket that didn't seem to have any effect whatsoever, but I might be getting a detail slightly wrong here, but I believe if you were holding that trinket and you died to spikes specifically, maybe even one specific set of spikes that does a specific thing then when you die, normally when you die in the game, so back, sorry, I'm, I'm explaining in a bad order because <laughs> I, okay. I don't know what I'm talking about. Normally when you die in the game, it brings up this, like, report. It's like a note from Isaac about how he died today. It's like a journal entry, right, that he wrote about, today I died, and, you know, it explains, like, what killed you, what items did you have, where were you, that kind of thing, right? And then there's a little drawing of what killed you. Right, so normally it would be like some spikes if it was spikes, or it would be a little dumb drawing of whatever enemy it is that killed you. If you were holding this trinket when you died to this certain set of spikes, that drawing would be a puzzle piece, like a jigsaw puzzle piece. And to one person playing the game, it would probably be, it would probably mean nothing, but... The idea was that if everybody on, like, the Reddit and on YouTube and Twitch, if they all piled together as many of these jigsaw puzzle pieces as they could, they were able to piece together four, like, fake death screenshots. Like, those, those notes that say what killed you and where you were and all that that happens when you die. There were four, like, made-up screenshots of reports like that that these jigsaw puzzles made up. And the idea was that if you were those characters and died in those ways, in those places, in that order of those four, you unlocked a new character. Oh, a, a, okay. a new character that they made. Which is, like, the coolest idea ever, except that, like, two weeks into the game's lifespan, someone just, like, data-mined the details of what oh, you had to do out of the no. game and spoiled it. <laughs> so, but, you know, yeah, so, like, that sucks, but at least it was a, still, it was a new character, and the character was really cool, and it was really fun to play as. Um, so, yeah, anyway, so that was cool. Uh, so then they did an expansion to the game. Like, Rebirth... Sorry, the, by the way, the remake was called Rebirth. I don't know if I mentioned that. The Binding yeah. of Isaac Rebirth. Uh, so that was really cool. They added stuff in that, by the way, besides that new character. It was a remake plus an expansion, basically, you know? Then they made an expansion for it. It was called Afterbirth. Then they made another expansion for it. It was called Afterbirth Plus. Then... After Afterbirth Plus, they did three, like, really minor free expansions that added, like, a very small amount each, but it was still pretty cool. The third of the three booster packs, they called them, uh, was pretty significant. That one added a new character, and it uh, added some, um, just some big changes. Uh, but that's where the game stood for a while. We were at Afterbirth Plus. There were, 
there were three extra little expansions to it. And it went on for a while like that. And I feel like, I'm not sure if this is just because so it, it was out for so long that the meta really started to evolve with, or, or started to stagnate a little bit with it. But I feel like towards the end of that time, the game had a little bit more criticism than it ever had, in my opinion. And maybe I'm projecting here, but I feel like this was the overall feeling of it, was that... Uh, basically, with all of these expansions, they kept adding new items, and there started to be this issue that way too many runs were balanced in a way where, like, um, where, like, you just never got anything that was useful, you know? The game has a lot of items that just kind of do silly things instead of, like, be a stat upgrade, you know? A lot of items are like range up, speed up, damage up, rate of fire up, you know? Those are great. You need those to survive, right? Because you need to get better stats as the game goes. But then there's all these items that just do something, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and, and you the can get... TF2 you hats can... of Binding of Isaac. Well, they do something. Okay. They don't do nothing. Uh, so, like, for some examples, uh, like, there's an item that makes it so that sometimes when you shoot an enemy, it charms them, and then they go attack other enemies for a second. Cool. Uh, there's, like, an item that makes it so that your tears are wider. Uh, you shoot tears at enemies, by the way, to fight them. Mm -hmm. there, there's, an, there's an item that makes your tears wider, so they're easier to hit enemies with. Okay. Um, you know, stuff like that. Things that, like, do something, but they don't really upgrade your character necessarily. It's a weird concept, though, that you're... Okay, so you you know I haven't played Binding of Isaac, but the, the concept yeah. of... Uh, from the, the, the screenshots I've seen, I guess, I've seen, like, a little pink floating head. And I guess you shoot people with his tears? Yeah. He's a little boy who's running away from his mother, who is crazed and thinks yeah. that she needs to sacrifice him to God. Uh, so he is running through layers of dungeon, fighting monsters and demons and all that, and he cries at them to, to fight them. Okay. Uh, yeah. And super weird concept. Definitely yeah. a game that like uh, a lot of people look at, and they're just like, I hate this art style, and then they will never really look into it because, you know... It's I really a, do it's hate a, the art style. I'm sorry. It's a really <laughs> weird art style, for sure. It, it, um, I don't hate it as much as I hated Nuclear Throne, which I think follows kind of the same visual cues from what I remember. Um, but I think one of the reasons I don't like Nuclear Throne is... It's a weird palette, and its its music is some of the most annoying, repetitive. Like even the sound effects are just like, ugh. I'm oh, tired yeah, of listening yeah. to this game. <laughs> I I think Isaac is definitely a very pleasant game to listen to. Uh, at least I don't know if you're like me. The music, for the most part, is good. The songs in Isaac that I don't like aren't annoying. They're just too ambient. Uh, that's kind of one of my criticisms of the remake. So the original Flash Isaac actually had a soundtrack by Danny Baranowski, and it holy shit, it's like it's it's just killer. However, um, he did not do the soundtrack for Rebirth. Uh, Ridiculon did the soundtrack instead, 
And I love that name. <laughs> a great name. And they do a lot of really good music. Like they did the music for The End Is Nigh and it was excellent. Um and like the the music that they did for Rebirth for the most part is great. I just feel like there's a couple floors. There's a couple areas in the game where it's just too ambient, which means that my complaint is that there's not enough of it. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. The soundtrack's good, and I, I want them to write more music uh, and there to, the game to be more musical because the music's really good when it's bumping. You know what I mean? We're going to need to talk um, about game soundtracks for some episode. Oh, for sure. So... Um, so uh, what would happen in Afterbirth Plus a lot, I felt like, was you would have a run where all of the items that you found were just one of those something but not really items, you know? And so you just you would never get a damage upgrade. You'd if never this get was a... like a particularly overpowered kind of character or uh... is, it, is the game blue shelling you? Is that what's happening? I'm not sure what you mean. So, so you know in Mario it, Kart when you get blue shelled, it's because you're in the first uh, first of the race? Yeah. Are you being so sandbagged because like you're not getting as many good upgrades? Kind of like what happens when you're in the first position in Mario Kart. You, your upgrades aren't going to be as good when you find drops. Um, you're the only one susceptible to like the ultimate attack in the entire game. I would say yes to your analogy if the blue shell is hitting you immediately when the race starts before you've even <laughs> crossed the starting line. Okay. And you have not had time to establish you being in first place yet. So it just throws you way the fuck to the back and keeps well, you there? But not really because it's like a slower burn. Because it's a, it's a, it's a roguelike, right? And yeah. and it's bad, you know. the The difficulty is balanced for you to get some upgrades. Meaning, in the first floor, you're at base stats. You know, so every so so every run, it's like you start out. You're in the basement. That's the first area, and it feels great. You know, but then it's like slowly over time, you just keep getting items that aren't really making you any better. And then also, there's like a hundred million different types of pills in the game. Pills are like, uh, if you played Rogue, they're like the potions. I have not. It's like, actually, is there a single Rogue like game? I guess out there that if you said, you know, like, it, what, what's the Minecraft of Rogue like games? You know what I'm saying? Like, maybe I have played a Rogue like game, but I don't think I have. I, I mean, Isaac is very big. Okay. Uh, Crypt of the Necrodancer, I think, yeah. is uh, is a really good one. That's the one I want to play. Okay. Yeah. Um. That that one's very roguelike i would say but uh but uh, yeah, so yeah. so so what pills are is they they drop every once in a while you eat one and it has a random effect and every different run all of the pills are randomized right but they have a color to them right the red and white pill if you find it once and it's a tears upgrade and then you find another red and white pill on that upgrade or on that run it's also a tears upgrade right so so there's like a pool of like 15 pills uh there there's like a hundred different pills right and every run like 15 of them get randomized into a pool that that's the ones that you're finding that round problem is out of the hundred like 70 of them just don't fucking do anything yeah uh like well, you, it, you said they do something it's just not not nothing. like it's not a hat. like 
So, well, so th- that was items, right? Pills were like, so in, f- in Flash Isaac, pills were like, it was either a range upgrade or a range downgrade, a speed upgrade or a speed downgrade, one of those for all the stats. And then there were like a couple different ones. Like there was one that gave you a couple hearts, one that just hurt you. You know, because fuck you, one that just did literally nothing, and then one that dropped some bombs on the ground, right? So, like, half the stats affected, or half the pills affected your stats, half of them did something, one of them did nothing, right? In, in Afterbirth Plus, at that point, there were so many pills that, like, you never got the ones that affected your stats anymore, and they were all just like, here's the one that puts some poop on the ground. Here's, you know, and, and here's the one. That's good. I get that on accident sometimes in the morning. <laughs> uh, like, and, and they, they added, uh, here's the one that makes the, the, the graphics extra blocky for a few seconds. Here's the one that makes you shoot in a V pattern for a minute, you know. Just things that, like, do nothing for the actual are run, they visually you know? like at least kind of cool to look at? Like, remember, you know how like you can eat peyote or something in Grand Theft Auto? Is there <laughs> no? There's like there's one that looks terrible. I don't think there's any that look good. Oh, okay. Um. But so 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 anyway, the I'm taking a really long time to explain kind of what the problem with Afterbirth Plus was. Basically, at the end, there were too many items, too many different types of pills. And overall, you just sort of got this feeling that, like, too often in the game, a run would become really boring Mm. because you just weren't getting any stat upgrades. And now every single single room or battle just takes a million years to fight because you're not doing any damage, you know? That sucks. Like... Yeah, and, like, we've all been playing the game for a million hours, so we know how to dodge all the enemies, we know how to not get hit, but it's just taken so damn long to fight fight everything that it gets kind of boring, so you start playing lazily, and then that's why you die. Would Um, it be applicable to call it, like, in relation to, like, you know, custom Doom maps, would you call it a, a form of slaughter? Uh, with the way you have I, to run around and, and shoot and kind of strategize where you're going to go. Maybe not in Isaac if, where you're shooting tears and a little stuff more abstract than, than guns, but, you know, I don't know. I'm just thinking. Yeah, I, I like, w- it, it would be like if, if the slaughter map was a thousand pinkies <laughs> and you just had the fists and no oh. berserk pack, right? Oh. And it's like, and, and it's it, so so it's like I can do it, but I'm gonna get sick of it, you know. Yeah. Uh, Fuck, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah, but the, and this would just happen not every time, but too often, you know. Yeah, basically was kind of the feeling of it, where it was like, ah, there's too many items that I either don't like or they just kind of don't do anything, you know. Um, and so yeah, so that 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 was kind of the feeling of of Afterbirth Plus after a while was that it was like, man, I kind of feel like everything that they're doing to this game after its initial amazing release has been slowly, weirdly detrimental to it. But it is still a really great game that's really fun to play. Okay, we can finally talk about Repentance. So Repentance just came out, and so far, I super love it overall. 
Um, the what what Ed has been saying about it is that he kind of wants the game to be as hard as it was on the Flash version again, because that's the thing is that like it's been kind of getting easier except for when it's boring. Mm. Uh, so he wanted it to be harder again, and I think that he's achieved that. Like it's definitely harder. Like like so. What makes so, it harder? More enemy spawns, that sort of thing. Um. So the obvious reason is that there's new enemies and we don't know what they do yet. You know what I mean? You can't immediately know exactly how an enemy behaves by looking at it anymore because there's new ones. So that's going to make it harder. Uh, even once you figure that out, though, even once you get familiar with the new enemies, they still that means you're getting new combinations of enemies, which is different, you know? Uh, but one like huge thing I've noticed is that enemies shots at you move faster now Uh. i swear uh which is kind of great because it's back to how it was on it's Uh. back to how it was on the flash version and i don't know to me it's it it really it it takes that idea of of having to uh makes it harder to dodge that's one thing it it immediately improves yeah, it makes it it makes it harder to dodge shots, um, and it makes it more important to like because uh, dodging shots in Isaac always feels like it, it's less about the actual dodging maneuver and it's more about planning ahead. As in, like if you know that an enemy shoots directly at you, and it happens every so often. You should just be moving laterally from them and not too close from them when you know that they're going to shoot. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not about the fact that, oh, they shot, I need to react and dodge it. It's more like it's telegraphed and you're so familiar with the mechanics that you see it coming and you are already dodging it by the time it happens, right? Mm -hmm. And that feels good. And this kind of forces you to do that even more, you know? So I like that. Um... But yeah, I like it's it's hard to pinpoint exactly what is making it harder though, uh, because it seems like it seems like it's that. Um, but there's one like huge, just general game feeling thing that I want to talk about, which is that I think that they fixed the items. I don't even know exactly how they did it. Uh, I think I do though, actually. All right, so here's the deal. I was complaining about how you don't get enough items that are stat upgrades. Um, they moved a lot more items into the golden chest pool. So the Isaac players know exactly what I mean when I say that. So I'm going to talk to them real quick. Ch- gold chests, the gold chest pool is way better now. It's, dude, it's got fucking. It, it's got uh, torn photo in it. Torn photo is a golden chest item now. It's amazing. And now take that idea and put it on all the other good items. All right, so here's what that means. Different items come from different sources. Every floor has a treasure room on it. A treasure room has one item in it. It just gives you an item. Cool. It's basically, and it's the biggest item pool in the game. That's where you get, that's where you get your items from, from a very base understanding level, right? But... When you kill a boss, they drop an item, but they drop an item from the boss item pool, and that's like a certain set of items, right? And it makes a lot more sense when you get into 
this kind of stuff, which is when you go to a devil room and the devil offers you devil deals, right? That's from the devil item pool, which mm. makes a lot more sense because those are the beefy items, you know? When you go to the angel room, you got to get the angel item pools, right? So there are gold chests in the game that require a key to open, and they usually have, like, stuff in them. You know, just some consumables, as in, like, bombs, keys, coins, trinkets, that kind of thing. Sometimes, though, if you're lucky, you'd get an item out of them. And before, in Afterbirth Plus and before, the theme of the gold chests was always that it was, like, head items, uh, like items that were a head, you know? <laughs> like, there's an item called Cricket's Head, which is like a cat's head uh, that just makes you do more damage, and it's awesome. It's, like, one of the best items in the game. Uh, there's one called Goat Head. It's like a goat's head, and it makes it so that you always get devil deals on every floor. Um, there's one called Abel. It's like Abel's head, So do but you, it does something. How, how would you say you equip these items? Do you equip these items? Uh, when you when you take them, they become part of you. They are now a thing that you do. So something, so like something that was the top of another being is all of a sudden part of you now. Yeah, you open a chest and there's a head in it, and Isaac goes, "Cool head!" And then now you do more damage when you shoot. Oh, see, that's where you lost me. If you just had the, if you just had the headgear. And didn't have any kind of stat upgrade at all. That'd be some good DLC right there. Well, so I mean, he does wear some of the stuff. The <laughs> okay, goat head for go. the goat head goes on Isaac's head. Hell yes, that's what uh, I was kind of hoping to hear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Other stuff has other effects though. Like Cricket's head just makes his eyes really big because he's crying more because his cat. He just found his cat oh. head. You know. Well, well, what <laughs> stuff? Stuff like that. Well, no. Jeez, um, now I'm gonna cry. Holy fuck. So, here's the deal, though. Here's the deal. Is that, okay, so gold chests had all these head items in them. Cricket's head was awesome. But other than that, all of them were just kind of, ah, okay, you know. Now, they made it so that the gold chests are like, though that's the, that's the item pool that upgrades your stats. You know, you've got damage upgrades in it. You've got fire rate upgrades in it. Speed upgrades. You know what it is before all you see it. Is what you're saying. Um, well, I, I'm saying that now, in order to solve the problem that your stats never went up before because you kept getting weird items instead of stat upgrades, now you get your stat upgrades from a different source. They come out of the gold chests now. Yeah, but what I'm saying so, is like you see a gold chest, you know, oh, hell yeah, I'm finally getting a fucking upgrade. Exactly. You don't know it's an upgrade. You might open it and yeah. it's just a couple pennies, you know. But you see the gold chests and you're it's way more exciting now because that's like that's potentially a great stat upgrade. That's and then I was gonna say, sorry, so that then, goes to like the same part of your brain, I feel like. Same part of your brain where like you know how like when everyone went from uh MySpace to Facebook because all of a sudden we found out about this crack called the notification button. Chances are it's something you don't give a fuck about. But when you see that little red thing, that shiny thing like, ooh, what could that be? You put that in a video game. Oh, now it's refreshing. Cool. It's a change. Yeah, and that's what like treasure rooms were always supposed to be, you know? Mm. And they still kinda were. Uh, but yeah, so now it's like you get way more stat upgrades out of golden chests. So every run 
I feel like feels more fair and balanced now. And that also means that now when you go into the treasure room and you get your silly item, it's great because you feel like you don't need a damage upgrade, you know, because you already got one uh, and that kind of thing. So, however, remember, though, enemies shoot a little bit faster. Mm -hmm. There's new enemies. I also feel like a lot of enemies have more health now overall. Like the enemies have just sort of been buffed a little bit to compensate for how much more stat upgrades you're getting now. And so overall, basically what I'm feeling now that I didn't feel with Afterbirth Plus is that every run that I've been doing feels like I'm getting a decent chance. You know what I mean? Like it feels like the game is way harder, but I am I'm back to old Isaac where you need to really scrape every thing that you can get out of every floor. Yeah. And what I mean by that is, like, because in Afterbirth Plus, like, your stat upgrades basically came from boss items and devil deals and maybe your treasure room. Uh, so every floor was, like, hit the treasure room, hit the curse room, fight the boss, you know, eh, yeah, you know, and then maybe you got the upgrades, maybe you didn't, and move on, you know? While this feels like we're we're back to we're back to Flash Isaac, which is like, all right, I gotta spend every key and bomb really meticulously to make sure that I can open every gold chest on the floor and get every gray chest. I gotta make sure I'm putting every all the hearts I can into the blood donation machines to get every cent that I can. Uh, you know, and, and like, so y the, the runs are a little bit slower, but I've had them like turn around a lot where there are a couple runs where I almost reset because I made mistakes really early that were like huge, but I kept going and ended up like putting together something that was really silly and workable. And I don't know, like I, it's, it's hard exactly to pinpoint what changed about it as far as the balance goes but the game feels a lot better to play now and uh and uh, yeah i've just been having a ton of fun doing runs of it because it just feels more balanced uh so uh, also i should real just like a couple other items they nerfed a lot of good items and i see people complaining about that people are talking about how all the overpowered items have been nerfed yeah, they were overpowered, you know? So, yes, like, Brimstone is a little worse now. Proptosis isn't as good anymore. 2020 isn't as good anymore. That's for the Isaac people. I'm talking to you. Um, yeah, those items aren't as good anymore. But guess what, Isaac people, not Knox? Holy Water is good now. And that's, I oh, feel like... Holy Water's always been good. You know this. Dude, Holy Water was the most garbage fucking item in in Isaac for the longest time. I stopped even taking it. Even though it doesn't really cost you anything to take an item in the game most of the time, like if it's given to you, I would pass on Holy Water all the time just because it annoyed me, you know? Like, it, 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 was, it was worthless as an item. And the fact that it was a little familiar that followed you around as you went, I just didn't want it on the screen, you know? Mm. So I would just not even touch it when I saw it before. So I almost passed on it. I saw it in Repentance today, 
and I, I almost did my usual, oh, there's holy water, fuck it, and leave, but I didn't. This time, I was like, okay, hey, 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 they rebalanced some stuff. They said that they changed some stuff. Picked up holy water, it's fucking awesome now. <laughs> so, uh, I could have told they you that, may, They may have nerfed a lot of the overpowered items, but they also reworked a lot of the lesser powerful items in order to... Just make the whole game overall more balanced, and I really, really like it. Hell yeah. I got to complain about one thing, though. So here's the complainy part, real quick. So one thing I forgot to mention in the long history of Isaac is that there was a giant fan mod after Afterbirth. So Afterbirth came out, right? And then there was a fan expansion to the game that was called Anti-Birth. And it was this super comprehensive expansion, like unprecedented as far as user-created mod content goes. It had new floors, all kinds of new artwork and areas, new uh, tons of new enemies, tons of new bosses, new characters, new mechanics. It had a co. It had a like a, a more fleshed-out co-op mode than the original game had. It was gigantic, right? I never played it myself, though. Um, but it, it was just big, is my point, though. So, Repentance, a huge amount of the of the actual new stuff that's in Repentance is actually a port of Anti-Birth. Because Ed liked it enough, where he got in contact with the people who made it, brought them onto the team. That's the best. I love when they do that. Yeah. So so repentance, I've been I've been raving about the balance changes, right? They they rebalance the game and it feels amazing to play now. However, all of like the new stuff or a lot of the new stuff is ported from Anti-Birth. Um I'll say the items that I've gotten from it so far I've really liked, but the areas I'm not as into yet. We'll see. We'll see how it moves on or, or how I go on it from now. However, when you go into the new areas that's all fan-made stuff, it really feels like fan-made stuff. Like, the enemies don't really look like Ed drew them, you know? And they have very weird and often annoying mechanics that don't really fit the game. And all the new bosses are, like, way overly complicated, I feel like, in a way that Ed wouldn't do. And so when I go into the new areas, because the game has branching pathways, right? Uh, and, and you can just keep going on the same old floors that we've been seeing, you know? Uh, and, and ignore the new floors and just take the normal path, that's fine if you want to do that. You can still do that. And that's what I've been doing just to kind of get my feet wet, you know, and to do everything with the new character before I get into the new area, you know. I wanted to kind of explore the new character first. Um, but, yeah, so when I go into the new areas, though, I I, I kind of hate the artwork. Like, uh, like I think all of the enemies that are, like, really obviously fan-made, I think they kind of look stupid, and, uh, and they just behave in, like, super annoying ways. That's kind of hard to explain. But, like, there's, a, there's an enemy, for example. There's an enemy 
where his thing that he does is uh, you got to understand the rooms are tile based, right? So rooms are like some of it is floor, there's pits, there's rocks and that kind of thing, right? Um, that are in like squares. It's like a Zelda dungeon. There's an enemy that like his behavior is that he picks up rocks that are in the room and throws them at you. And he like teleports around doing this, which is like, okay, you see that and you're like, all right, that's a, that's a new thing that enemies have never done before. But why? Why do that? It's kind of stupid. I don't know. I just hate it. It's like, uh, like, like I, and, and I, feel, I feel like this applies to a lot of the new enemies, where it's like they do something that's like impressive that it's in the Isaac engine, you know, where it's like, okay, it's interacting with the environment or with me in a way that I've never seen anything do in this game before. However, there's a reason, and the reason is that it's kind of stupid what they're doing. It's, like, overly complicated for no good reason. You know what I mean? Just have the enemy shoot at me. I don't need it to, like, pick up the environment and throw it at me. It doesn't, like, add anything to the game. And it's a little confusing because the game is very specific on, like explosions are one type of damage while shots are another type of damage yeah. and that kind of thing. What is this? Who fucking knows, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I think it gets a lot worse with the new bosses, with the bosses that were designed by the, by the fans. Cause it's like, there's like a boss that it's like, she like summons familiars that orbit around her and shoot shit. But then also she does another move after she does that a few times. She does another move that throws her familiars at you with a as like a different attack. Uh, and then they like blow up and they do something else, you know, and then it kind of starts over. And it's just like it's so it's so fucking complicated, you know, like all all of the all of the bosses in the game are usually mechanics that you've seen before used in an interesting way. You know what I mean? Like here like laser beams are something that we've seen before. Here's a boss that shoots three laser beams out in like a triangle and then he kind of spins them around and it's like, "Yeah, I get it. Okay. That's an attack, right?" But this, when, when the bosses are doing this fucking Ruth Goldberg machine to, like, put together this complicated fucking attack, it's like, I, I don't know, it's just, it's too busy for me, you know? Yeah. And I, I just, I just think it's kind of annoying. Just make them shoot at me. I don't know. I kind of like stuff like that. Um, there's, like, a series of Japanese videos you can look up called, uh, Pythagorean switches, which are just Rube Goldberg machines like that. They just, they, except they're like thirty thousand steps to get to the end task. It's just, it's super fun to watch. But yeah, but this is, this is still uh, the latest thing, right? This is like the fans came on to work on this part of the game, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, so yeah, fan, that uh, that yeah. yeah. So that that's my criticism of it is I feel like there is a really thick line between what Ed designed and what, you know, and what yeah. the fans designed. And it's it's too obvious when I'm looking at it. Um, that, and that's it. Uh, however, 
The new character, awesome. The new items, awesome. The rebalancing, awesome. So, overall, I'm having a really good time with it. So you're not always playing as Isaac, right? You can change the character. Yeah, technically all the characters are Isaac, but they're in, they're oh, like different. Oh, that's right. Yeah, like his but different yeah. alter egos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there, dude, there's like there's like 16 characters now or something. Um, and it, you know, I really like the way that they do it because at first the uh at first the different characters are basically they start with different stats and different and a couple different starting items. You know. Uh, and that, and that's really it. And, you know, cool. Okay. And the big deal about playing as the different characters is that like all of the major bosses in the game, uh, unlock something for you when you beat them with each character individually. You know what I mean? So you're, so you're incentivized to play through with every character to unlock that character's items. And those items are kind of themed on that character and stuff. The later characters, though, start to get really different and really cool. Like, I mentioned that one that had that super uh, cryptic way to unlock it, you know, in Rebirth. So that character's gimmick is that he does not have HP. (laughs) HP is, like, not a mechanic for him. When he would take damage, he just dies. That's same, so you same. <laughs> so you just cannot take damage with him ever or you die. Uh, however, he starts with the ability to fly, so he can fly over rocks and pits and spikes and all that, and his tears can go through walls. So defensively, even though he has no health whatsoever, he's uh, he essentially starts out with the best defensive properties in the game. Because he's able to hide from enemies and maneuver about the room really well. It's still really difficult, though. He's like, you know, it's it's a really it's it was a great challenge to play as that character because you know you had to be perfect. Um, So yeah, yeah. Anyway, so that that's like that's like the example of kind of how weird they start to get later. There's like another character where his health is money, and so when he gets hit you have to pick up coins in order to heal him, but then those coins don't go into your coin pool, you know, and then hearts don't do anything for him. I was going to say, so he's like um, Sonic, Sonic the Hedgehog, where you just, yeah, yeah, kind of come out everywhere. Interesting. Um, there's even a melee character in the game that, that mm. is like a skeleton and he hits stuff with his bone. Uh, so that character is like super different and fun to play as. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, it, it, it's a great game. Yeah, final thoughts, great game. Weird line between can't tell what's or what well, you can tell what is yeah, fan-made content. I hes- yeah. I hesitate to say fan-made content. The the owner of the game, the developer of the game endorsed them coming on as developers. They're not it's not really right. fan-made content. Yeah, it's not f- right. Exactly. Um so, you know, I I I'm I'm still going at it. Basically, my my story at this point and why like it might it might change in the future my opinion of it uh because basically i hopped in i did a couple runs and and uh, going straight to the new stuff and i was like this new stuff is kind of dumb right and then just went on to doing the regular path again so that i could try out the new character and i love the new character like might be my new favorite character um so i just did all the regular stuff with her and and 
and so I've been super liking the expansion, playing as this new excellent character, feeling the new balance, and doing the regular path still. Now, though, I'm going to go back to the new stuff because I think I have to do that to, uh, well, yeah, well, I do. I got to do the new stuff with yeah. all the characters now. Well, so coming... we'll see how I feel about it now. Yeah. Coming from fighting game experience, it is definitely always an exciting time when a new character is being added to the game and just how and seeing how it mixes everything up, how, how it changes the dynamics of how the current gameplay goes. It's pretty cool. Yeah. To, to yeah. just replay content as a different character is probably a pretty fun experience as well. Yeah, and I, I love the way that, uh, th- I, I say love kind of sarcastically here, about how it seems like whenever a new character comes out, the immediate reaction is always that they're overpowered, you know? Mm, oh, this character's OP as fuck, just because no one knows how to fight against them yet, you know? That's um, how every game is, I want to say, though. Yeah, and that's kind of the thing. Like A lot of people are saying right now that repentance is too hard, you know? And, uh, and it's just like, look, it's just the thing is, it's a little different. They rebalanced it, you know? So, like, we got to figure it out before we say it's too hard right away. Yeah. Cool. So, there you go. So, you know, sorry I, I, I talked about that a little longer than I expected to. That's okay. You got to get it out. <laughs> yeah, I've played, like, 2,000 hours of The Binding of Isaac. I've got a, I've got a lot to t- say about it. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's true. You've put... Uh, <laughs> my god how many hours (laughs) are in like a solid month i mean i i didn't play it for a long time well i know know. i'm just like you've accumulated two thousand hours though right oh i see what you're saying i mean if you were to sit down and play anything for two thousand hours how long are you actually playing it there's 24 hours a day so that's less than what uh a thousand times it's a couple hundred. It's an order of a couple hundred times. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You get my point, yeah. But uh, anyway, we can move on to our next topic, though, if you're ready. I am ready. We have a topic to talk about. I think we. I think this could. This topic already has way too much potential to go hours and hours and hours. Uh, so I'm gonna limit it. I'm gonna limit it to uh, mainstream, mainline first party uh release controllers and that's a that's a good rule and, yeah because there's so many good controllers out there that are not first party but are really fucking cool or really weird and cool to talk about but that could be another thing entirely maybe later on yeah so i think we're basically going to talk about what makes a good controller and what are the best controllers Mm-hmm. and why we will both now fight to the death that the N64 controller is possibly one of the best controllers Nintendo's ever made. One of the best. I possibly mean, one of the best. Uh, it's versatile I mean, as hell. I feel like it's, for Nintendo, though, I feel like it's kind of in the middle. Ooh, okay, where do you, what do you put at the top of the list of Nintendo's best controller? Probably GameCube. Mm. So the thing about so let's talk about the GameCube controller for a minute, right? So I I uh, here here's my thing about it is that it is it can be when when it's used right, the GameCube controller is the best controller of all time. <laughs> it is insanely comfortable and it's got uh it's got a real nice button layout for games that are made for that button layout. It's got a really nice analog stick. 
And, uh, yeah, so basically, if your game is made for the GameCube controller, I'm talking Resident Evil 4, Killer7, Metroid Prime, these are games made for the GameCube controller, it's the best controller ever made. However, I completely understand that it is not super versatile in yeah. that if you try to play, like, Contra on that shit, it's terrible. You if you said. wanted to play Super Mario Bros. on the on the Animal Crossing version with the fucking GameCube controller, it's a terrible time. <laughs> okay, so you just said best controller Nintendo's ever made. You did You did use that as an asterisk, but you did say best controller... Nintendo's ever made, but the asterisk was four games that are made for it. Yes. Okay. I think that's a huge deal when you talk about controllers. I because do like too. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. And I agree yeah. with that sentiment, because I thought you were still saying best of all time for Nintendo. Yeah. Maybe a like, little bit the, more. One of the big deals about it is that, like, remember when Resident Evil 4 came out and it had the context-sensitive A button, you know? That, like, the, the controls for RE4 were revolutionary, where it was like, wow, guys, check out this game. It's this third-person game, but hey, you want to hop over that fence? You want to climb that ladder? You want to jump that thing? You want to open that door? It's the same button, you know? This guy is stunned. You want to kick him in the head? It's all done by this one button, which is also your shoot button. And the th and that was, like, super revolutionary. This, like, Wait, A this button was super your shoot button? Yeah, really? this like super context sensitive A button, Not right? The triggers? That it always you use the trigger in RE4 to aim. You held R to aim, and uh -huh. you pressed A to fire. That is weird. Oh well, well actually, the no, I can kind of well. That's still weird to me. Bizarre. For, One thing for about the GameCube controller was the R and L had a lot of action on them, they so did. I would kind of hate the idea of like shooting a gun with it. Well, so yeah, my thinking is it's at the very end of the detent. You know, you you pull it in all yeah. the way, and then yeah, I could see that. But here's the here's my point though is that it was like super revolutionary to have this like very context sensitive, smart. It does everything. A button. And if you think about the designers of Resident Evil 4, they're looking at the GameCube controller because Resident Evil 4 was originally a GameCube exclusive game and it has this big, juicy A button right in the middle of it where the player's thumb naturally rests and it's this big button, right? And I feel like that controller design is sort of what informed that game design decision to make the does everything a button which then like revolutionized how other console games controlled forever uh same with like um in killer seven like the a button is to run forward you know and like that's a really weird design choice if you think like when you just say it but when you play the game it feels really good the way that it controls and i feel like they would have never designed it that way if the controller didn't beg for it with this giant a button you know yeah so i i, I agree with that yeah so I, I i feel like the design of it like created these new control schemes that were really cool and interesting and felt really good and comfortable on a really good and comfortable controller uh, yeah, so the games that were made for it were excellent. But, yeah, I mean, Super Nintendo on it does not feel good. I did not know that the A button was pressure sensitive. Um, actually, Well, it's not pressure sensitive. No. I'm just saying it's big. 
Okay, then yeah, that's what I was going to say. I, I, I actually haven't taken apart a GameCube controller myself yet. Um, I've done Xbox and PS2 so far, but I haven't had to do GameCube yet. But I did not know... Well, if it did have it, I, I wouldn't have known. But the triggers are definitely like the most pressure-sensitive. But like they feel as if they're pressure-sensitive like via analog means does that make sense it feels like there's like a little spring in there and there's a yeah. secondary switch at the very end of the detent that allows you to know that yeah it has been pressed but now it's really like clicked you know i believe that is exactly how it works i'm i didn't i'm impressed i, <laughs> I didn't uh, i've never seen one i just assumed uh based off of how it feels but i i don't think for controllers that Nintendo has made first party, I'm going to say that the best controller they have ever made to fit the purpose of the console, I just don't see how you can you can pick GameCube over SNES. SNES on GameCube, this, yeah. yes. It's, it's the way Super Nintendo... Yeah, Super Nintendo is so that's why I'm saying with the with the N64 why I don't think it's like the best, right? Uh or even like one of the best is because to me it's like GameCube is up there and then Super Nintendo. Yeah, dude. Super Nintendo is like so excellent. It's got those rounded sides that feel really nice on your hands after the brick days. It was the introduction of R and L, bro. <laughs> R and L? Whole other dimension. You know, the four face buttons feel good. I love the way that this is only this might only be a US thing uh, or an NTSC region thing, but the way that Y and X are concave mm. while A and B are convex. So like you, the tip of your thumb fits into the button while the the knuckle of your thumb is on a button that sticks out into it. I remember. It's like, oh my god, how did they do this, you know? I remember as a kid specifically feeling the and I was like, "Oh my god, they look like Smarties cuz they're that bright yeah. lavender. Like it's a grape Smarties and they're concave." I put my thumb on it and I went, "Oh my god." <laughs> I was like, "That's so cool." But at the same time, I wasn't super impressed because here's where I'll get into um, the next point to that. And, and, and here's, here's where I guess it'll get a little tribal. But uh, Sega Genesis already had that. All the buttons were concave. Not, not convex and concave, but all the buttons were concave. And instead of going to shoulder buttons like the Super Nintendo had... Uh, their solution was actually just add three more buttons. So then we got the six-button controller. And that was, as far as I know, that was specifically, basically the entire decision was was to get Street Fighter Two out of the arcades and in people's houses and on Sega because the SNES wasn't going to change. Like the, the, that, that four-button layout wasn't going to change. And, you know, people adapted to it pretty well because they used the triggers for the, the third you know, or the the fifth and the sixth buttons. Um, but it just it's not the same thing. It's just having all the buttons that are laid right out for you for your thumb to choose wherever you want. Um and with a with a pretty competently good D pad too. Um I would say I liked the D pad of the Sega a little Sega Genesis a little bit less because it feels real loosey goosey, whereas the SNES D pad has no choice but to be in place. Um 
but the actual feel of it, like texture-wise, you can roll a little bit easier on a, uh, on a Sega controller. So it's a little bit better for fighting games, in my opinion. But um, that title that we were talking about, Best of the First Parties, it, it has to go... Has to go for Sega. Uh, has to be um, Sega Saturn because the Dreamcast was awkward and didn't get a chance to get out of its awkward teenager phase. Um, and the Sega Saturn was w- is without a doubt the most comfortable feeling 2D controller I've ever felt. Um, it has a slightly improved D-pad over the Sega Genesis. It's um, and when I say slightly improved, I mean it's already a really damn good D-pad. Um, but people say that like the D-pad of the Saturn pad is like legendary. It's like it's, you're not going to get a better D-pad for a controller. Um, so that's what, and especially because the Saturn was so much more apt at 2D than 3D games, like the PS1 was. It, it had a lot of fighting games, and it was like known as the fighting game platform. And everyone just loved the controller to death after they revised it. The first one terrible uh the first the first sega saturn controller was just weird like it's as if you had just given tumors to the sega genesis controller in the form of 80s angular square sharp angles um and it didn't make sense at all to hold in your hand uh from what i hear i have technically never held one of those controllers i only have a revision 2 controller um, and it is significantly more comfortable from what I hear. But, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I played a bunch of Sega Saturn when I was a kid because my neighbor had one, and I, I don't remember the controller at all. Mm. Uh, but speaking of the Genesis controller, you know, I, I've not, I'm not a fan of the, like, of the, so, so the six-button layout I understand for fighting games, right? That for fighting games, it's another thing. Uh, I just feel like six buttons is too much um, responsibility for a single thumb, you know? I completely agree, and that was my very first criticism, uh, and the first thing I recognized when I started playing fighting games with an arcade fight stick. Uh, As soon as I went from all four to five of these uh, digits just down to one thumb, I was like, oh my God. It's like, I'm feeling sh- like it was just, I, I, I'm hesitating to remember anything that makes my thumb tired. I guess imagine taking, uh, imagine lighting 2000 people's cigarettes <laughs> in, with <Right>. one lighter, <laughs> you know? And that, yeah, I was getting that feeling after playing just like maybe an hour of street fighter. I was like, Oh, that's why I like arcade fight sticks so much, but it's still better to me. I would rather have a tired thumb than confused hands with L and R being, you know, the heavy attacks. Mm-hmm. But then like, so outside of fighting games though, I mean, if you think about like Contra three on super Nintendo has this excellent new feature that Contra one and two didn't have where if you hold down one of the shoulder buttons, it sticks your dude in place so then you can hold right, left, you can hold diagonals, and you can stand in place and shoot in any direction, right, with the D-pad. And that was, like, a super great thing. However, Contra Hardcore on Sega Genesis, they didn't have the shoulder buttons to do that with. So with that game, it's like, 
it's like C. I, I I believe it's that. So so the the buttons are A, B, and C left to right, right? Yes. They're not like backwards. So it's like C on the right is jump, and the middle button is shoot. But then A is like to swap modes between standing and running. So like in order to stand in place and shoot, you have to like move your thumb over. And because a lot of the time you're trying to do this while you're shooting, right? So you need to be like holding B to be shooting and then move your thumb off of C because you usually want to be jumping and, and like move it over and and squish into A with it to stand still and then hit it again to go back. And I, yeah, it just, it does not feel good. I, um, I have a, I have a criticism that is very, very similar to that. Um, my fucking God if you ever play Streets of Rage 1 on a Sega Genesis, which you don't really have a choice because that's the platform. Uh, well, I, you know, unless you play a modern port. Anyway, play it on original hardware with a Sega Genesis controller. Holy shit. And the game recognizes this early on because it gets in the options. But your attacks are jump, attack, and special, right? So special in Streets of Rage 1 is the whole game, all the gameplay just fucking freezes. It stops. The camera pans to like a car that's now all of a sudden shooting 30 mortar fucking shells right over to your location because that's safe. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's an AoE attack that makes all the enemies go bye-bye when you're in trouble. You use it, it's, a, it's your oh shit button. The problem is it's right next to your other buttons that you always fucking use. So there, me and my friend were trying to go through Streets of Rage, and um, there had to be at least five runs that were... Uh, you could probably trace their failures back to me just not having enough alts because I keep accidentally hit the, hitting the button. Um, and it doesn't help that there is friendly fire in Streets of Rage when you play multiplayer, too. Uh, I don't think it works for specials, but it definitely doesn't help you in normal gameplay. But what also doesn't help you in normal gameplay is the gameplay constantly stopping and waiting for this stupid little cutscene to happen just to highlight how much of an asshole you are to your partner, how you just wasted an entire AoE thing that could have been used during the boss fights who happened to be particularly cheap in that game, especially towards the end. So I fault well, I that to the, of Rage. I was gonna say I fault that to the actual dev, not the not the controller itself, though. Yeah, yeah, but I, but sort of the point is though that like outside of fighting games, I the Genesis controller I think has like a lot of problems on you know as as a the 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 layout um is is a little dumb, and also when you get into the six button controller, I feel like the six button controller was really weird too because. From what I remember, A, B, and C are pretty big, while and, and they're concave, like you were saying. They're the smarties. And then X, Y, and Z, though, aren't they, like, smaller? And they're, they're like, extremely convex, right? I think they're smaller. They're like little domes, almost. Um, this, is really shitty, uh, this is a really shitty... This is a really shitty... Knockoff of a knockoff brand, uh, five dollar Sega Genesis controller that you can buy new at Second and Charles. Um, yes, they are a little smaller than the top row, um, but I think that works out in your favor because you're going to be hitting those with the very tips of your thumbs, whereas yeah, you're going to be true. hitting these with the very bottom. You know, 
Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I I, I love the the Smarties and Sprees positioning that the uh, that the Super Nintendo one has. Can we talk so about yeah, that though? Wait, just for a second. You know how the Famicom has like all the colored versions of Super yeah. Famicom? I'm pretty sure they have convex buttons too, but I'm not. I've never seen one in person, so I don't know. But yeah, but, a, a Super Famicom controller, they're all convex. They're all oh really? Yeah. I feel like I might like that. But then again, it it is nice. Then again, I kind of Game Boy is like my favorite thing ever, so the convex doesn't bother me either. But here, in my opinion, is at least for four button stuff, the ultimate that you're going to get when it comes to uh when it comes to a game pad with yeah, candy kind of buttons. And that's the Neo Geo CD controller. Um, oh yeah yeah this is not a neo geo cd controller this is a neo geo mini controller that goes to the the arcade mini uh console that they released um it's not the original layout that it's i think it's rotated about i think it's rotated about 90 degrees clockwise but otherwise it's the same controller except for there's no micro switches in the analog stick but i imagine with micro a micro switched analog stick I like this a lot already. This is more comfortable than a SNES controller in my hands. Um, so this is basically, it looks like a SNES controller, but the buttons are all bigger if you could imagine, and closer together. Yeah, if you could imagine a, a SNES being a little bit more jelly bean shaped, um, and honestly it has a little bit more of a Sega Saturn curve to it, um, but nowhere near as dramatic. It's a little bit more round and jelly bean shaped, but yeah, it's got the start and select buttons right down the middle. Um, and that is something mm. I was thinking about that I actually really liked about the Sega Genesis 3 button controller, which is the start button is not in the middle like it is on the 6 button controller. It's off into the right a little bit above the three buttons. So it's where the 6 buttons would be, or the top three would be, um, which is nice because whenever you pause, it just it's like the most ergonomical start button you've ever felt. Dude, you know what else had that? The very original model Nintendo DS. Start and select huh. were right above A, B, X, Y, and it was so comfortable. And I wish that they had never moved it, but right on the DS Lite and, and ever after, they immediately moved it away from that location. But I loved it there. Well, felt great. I, I, I think... I think I vaguely remember that, and I think they moved it down to the bottom left, right? Like near the uh, thumbstick? On the DS Lite, it's on the bottom right, I think. Oh, okay. It's been a while since I've touched and, a DS. And then after that, they started putting it like on the bottom of the touchscreen, like the bottom screen underneath it oh. has like start and select down there now. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, um, never mind. I've seen that. Okay. So let's mm. let's go back to the N sixty four controller here for a minute because yes. we need to talk. So yeah, we about talked about Super Nintendo. We talked about GameCube. Uh, well, you showed that SNK controller, and you didn't really talk about oh. the D pad on that thing. No D pad. Because yeah, so it so the thing about the uh, Neo Geo is that that is an that's like Neo Geo. From what I understand, I've never played one, but it's supposed to be like. It's like the home console specifically for arcade games, right? And the games were like super expensive for it because they were like fucking arcade games. So here, here's how it goes. Um, the Neo Geo got huge success in arcades because it eliminated 
it made them a lot more efficient. You could put a whole bunch of games. You could put like up to six games in one uh, one cabinet. Whereas if you want six games in your arcade, normally you have to have six cabinets, and that's a huge fucking waste of space comparatively. Um, so they got real popular. SMK got a lot of money for that, uh, and then they were like, "Well, honestly, everyone else is in the home console game right now. We're doing." console stuff or we're doing arcade stuff that's way better than the consoles can do what if we just like at a premium made a console based off of the actual arcade hardware that we have in in the arcade um so they did it was called the aes as as compared to the mvs um that was released and i think it was exclusively kind of like a catalog order item for companies that would like I think I think Blockbuster actually back in the day. I can't remember, but it's 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 one of those places where you would a business would buy it because it would be way too expensive to be commercially viable. Um, but the business would then rent it to, to, to like people who would want to have a party. Like you ever seen those like trailers that people drag around as like game trailer or something. It's like, there's like pre-built PCs in the back with like air conditioning and stuff. It's like you bring it to a party to bring the arcade to someone's house. That was the whole point of the AES. But that was like $650, I think, if you wanted one. And, you know, the game cartridges weren't any cheaper. Like, they, they were pretty expensive, too. Um, right. And then there was the CD, which is what this controller is. The CD was the compromise. They go, okay, you know, we can probably fit these beefy fucking cartridge games on CDs, this newfangled technology that everyone's going wild about. Um, and uh, so they tried to release a, a, a home console. Where So the AES that came out before this, the cartridge-based one, had an actual arcade fight stick controller as its main controller, which, let's be honest... Fight Stick, it wasn't the best Fight Stick, but Fight Stick as your main controller, that's probably going to be my favorite, like, right off the bat, controller for a, a first-party thing. But uh, you can't really... The, the, the whole point was to make it more accessible, you know, to the consumer. So you, they, they need they need affordable hardware. So instead of giving, a like, one to two Fight Sticks with every super expensive console, they were like, all right, let's take a CD console. Let's make a CD console and let's put a little controller with it. So how can we make the arcade experience feel genuine when you're holding this shitty little pleb home console thing in your hand? Well, they wanted to do that by eliminating the D-pad and still giving you an analog stick. And I think it was... Oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on this, the Neo Geo CD release date, but it might be one of the first consoles that had an actual analog controller, I want to say. I can't remember. So the thing about that, though, is that it's, it's not analog. And you're right. It's still eight, yeah, yeah, it's still eight-directional digital input. Correct. But, yeah, it looks like a little nub that can move around 360 degrees, mm -hmm. like some kind of really shallow analog stick. It's really cool um, because and, I don't think I've seen yeah. anything like that at the time. It's just really shallow, totally. like you said. Analog, not analog stick, but on, this is an analog stick. But the actual original thing was an eight-way directional digital stick because it used four micro switches, which just happened to be the same kind of micro switches you would find 
in the controller for the actual arcade stick on the arcade machine. So you still could move your thumb around like it was a D-pad, and it was its own surface that moved, so you weren't sliding your finger from the from the down input to the right input on a D-pad, thus giving yeah. you blisters after hours of long uh, Sub-Zero pissing your roommate or, 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 or little brother off. Uh, sessions. Yeah, instead you're like moving a nub around, but you can like tack. I'm, mm-hmm. I imagine it was a little tactile. The yeah. switches were so you could feel click, click, your click, like click, click, your yep. your quarter circle forwards as like three distinct clicks mm-hmm. and stuff. Just like an arcade yeah. stick, it's fantastic. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so that's probably going to be my favorite uh, first party controller is the fight stick actual thing. Second, uh, uh, I'm real loyal to Sega, um, <laughs> but. Uh, the Saturn, I didn't even know the Saturn existed until after the Dreamcast was out. That's how bad it was in my area of the mm-hmm. U.S. for us. Um, Man, let's let's. We didn't even talk about Microsoft yet. Can we talk about the Duke? <laughs> well, we, first we gotta we gotta talk about the N sixty four. Oh, sorry, we keep dancing around that. Yeah, let's go to the. So N64. yeah, so the, so there is this N sixty four controller that everyone laughs at, and they look at it and they're like, "Why does it have three handles? I only got two hands." You know, and and it's like this big joke. Um, But the thing is, though, if you actually, like, use a decent amount of the N64 controller and then you try to use anything else for a Nintendo 64 game, you really appreciate the N64 controller for what it is. First of all, the whole joke about, like, it having too many handles or whatever, it's a very simple concept. Some games primarily use an analog stick, and some games primarily use a D-pad. So Nintendo decided you got one handle that you hang on to for D-pad, and the D-pad is right in the comfortable spot for your thumb. Awesome. Oh, this game's an analog stick? Hold on to the analog stick handle, and your thumb is in the perfect position for some analog stick action. So you just... You hold it differently per game, and no matter whether the game primarily uses the analog stick or the D-pad, it's super comfy, which is something that people complain about with uh, with newer controllers all the time, is that they're not like that. Uh, it- particularly ones that have the analog stick in the, in the primary position, and then you play a game that has a lot of D-pad action, and you gotta crank your thumb down for it. Yeah. You know, people complain about that. Guess what controller didn't have that problem? N64! Nope. And and it's also worth noting that you you, you got to think about why the the controller was designed like that. So you have to think the competition at the time. Oh, Nintendo at this point is is what two years late to market. I think um, beating PlayStation for that generation. So PlayStation starts. They don't have analog sticks. the The original DualShock came later, um, and then of course the Sega Saturn out before the PS One didn't have analog sticks either in fact there was never an official analog stick uh, attachment to the normal sega saturn controller they had what was called the the sega saturn 3d controller which is kind of like a proto dreamcast controller which i've heard is even more cumbersome to hold especially if you have bigger hands um i haven't held one myself yet so i can't judge but going back to the n64 they were like oh shit this is like when 3d is a thing now so we need something for articulate 3D control, but that shit's not going to fly for a lot of the 2D functions, like thinking um, complex menu navigation. It's something as simple as that, not even just 2D gameplay, which how many 2D games really were there for the N64, actually? Can you think of very many? 
Uh, I can think of a few. You know, there was like Mischief Makers. And I didn't play that. That there's there Clay Fighter. Kind of Yoshi. There's Clay Fighter. That's 2D. Yeah, there was like a Yoshi game that I can never remember the name of. Not Yoshi's Cookie, there was like, right? No, I don't think so. Because Yoshi's Cookie um, is that really cool puzzle game. That's 2D. Yeah, no, I'm talking about a game that looked more like Yoshi's Island, uh, but it had more the art style of Donkey Kong Country, ironically. <laughs> and it's on N64. I can't remember the name of it, but it's like a Yoshi platformer. Uh, then there was that Kirby game too. Was uh, was a side. Yeah, you're naming all these games I never even really actually played. So it's weird. Kirby's yeah. a series I I've been I feel like I've been sleeping on. I I, I played an uh an like a an NES Kirby I want to say a little while ago. Yeah, it, Kirby's Adventure was the one for NES. It was, it was so good. It was so fun. I was like, why is yeah. Kirby so good? <laughs> I gotta get it. <laughs> yeah, Kirby. Kirby's Adventure on NES is sweet, and then Kirby's Dreamland on Game Boy is very good. Also, I think it was Kirby's Dreamland on Game Boy is the first game I ever beat, like as a kid. Really, I beat it. I, yeah. I see Kirby's Dreamland kind of for sale somewhat frequently around. I've been thinking about picking it up. But if you're a big Game Boy guy, you got to do yourself a favor and play some Kirby's uh, Dreamland. I do love Game Boy and Kirby's Dreamland too. Game Boy is Game Boy is such a fantastic platform. Um, mm-hmm. Let me see. So we talked about the N64 a little bit. I, I'm not done with the N64. So the big though. thing about the N64's analog stick mm-hmm. is that it's like so they wear out, right? And my, one of my controllers, the analog stick, wore out a little bit, and so I tried to replace it twice, and holy shit, were those replacement analog sticks not up to the job, Damn. because I had never before realized or appreciated just how precise the N64's analog stick is. It's like from from the neutral position and over fully to the side, it goes through like Fifty different degrees that oh, it yeah. recognizes. Oh yeah, it's huge. It's insane. I I'm trying to think of the thing that I think I first really felt that with was my favorite Pokemon game or fo- favorite N64 game of all time, Pokemon Snap. That is a game which requires some pretty intricate first-person shooter style controllers. Obviously, everyone else is going to be a golden eye. That's their game where they probably noticed it the most. Uh, and and it's fine because you know. As much as I don't like the controls for Goldeneye and I find it a stupid game, man, that thing, it, that game would fall apart if the N64's analog stick weren't is anywhere near as good as it is. That thing is just yeah, so I th- good. I think another big one is Mario Kart, you know, just making tiny little steering yep. adjustments. Um, Fantastic, yeah, like actually. I- if you think about Mario Kart, like if you think about how you control Mario Kart now, versus with that tiny little analog stick, it, it wouldn't work. It, so many games wouldn't work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, like, it's... it's uh, When you actually take apart the, the N64's analog stick, you kind of realize, like, it's really well, like, geniusly designed. Uh, really, the only problem is just the... That pla- the fact that the bowl is plastic that the analog sticks scrapes up against, you know? And so over time, like, if you guys don't know what causes wiggle stick on an, on an N64 controller, basically the deal is that the thing that allows the, the stick to have that nice uh, circular or spherical arcing motion over the center, you know, um, is because the stick is pressing up against 
a plastic bowl on the inside of the controller. So the fulcrum, the spot that it looks like the stick ends to you just looking at the controller, that's actually like the fulcrum point. And there's this counter stick on the inside that's up against a bowl that you're grinding against when you use the, the stick. And so especially if you press down hard... Uh, when you use the analog stick, you grind that bowl away over time, and that causes the stick to sink in, uh, and then that causes your, your wiggle stick issues. I think that's why a lot of people noticed it specifically from that Mario Party game where you have to spin the stick around really fast, you know? is because they were probably jamming down on the controller with their palm as they spun it, so they were really grinding, you know? Yeah, it's, I was uh, say, but is, yeah. It, is it fair to judge the N64's controller or the stick for wearing out. Like, I know everyone judges them for that. Is it fair when games I think it like is. Mario Party existed for kids like us at that age? <laughs> like, that, there's a reason they call it the Mario Party torture is because there were so many things where you were just churning butter, but, like, on this tiny little nub as a kid, you were just taking your, the full force of your arm on that thing, just pressing into it and spinning it as fast and as hard as you can just to play Mario Party, not even to do, like, you know, some crazy, like, stupid, I don't know, intricate game input. I don't know. Mario Party. Right. You're, you're doing a little yep. mini game, And then there's other games, like... Pokemon Stadium that have a lot of mini games too. It was it was a really good mini game console, you know. And there's lots of there's lots of Mario parties too. So it's like it's it's that that stick probably saw more miles for uh probably saw more torture miles than 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 PlayStation's did, I would say. But yeah, it, unfortunately though, it was a controller that sort of like you know it's known for wearing out and uh, and and it's. It's a it's a shame uh, that like you kind of have to, um, well that that it's so hard to find like a good condition one now. Uh, luckily though, if you guys don't know, there is a website. I think it's I want to say it's SteelSticks64.com. Uh, they make steel analog sticks and more importantly, steel bowls that you can take your analog stick apart. And or, or you, yeah, you can take your controller apart, take the analog stick module apart, and replace that plastic bowl with a steel one, and you won't have any more problems unless you grind the actual gear things around. Uh, yeah, you know. But I think they make replacement gears also. There's an alternative um, to that, even more. Um, although it's recommended not to do it on your main N64 controller, but you can actually replace your n64 stick with a gamecube stick so do you mean actual factual gamecube yes. stick or an or an imitation nope pop it right out really put it right in and it's even it's i've heard it's just as accurate if not even more um, the problem is that because the stick of the N64 is actually like the shaft is a little bit longer, you have a little bit more travel in the stick. Whereas with the GameCube stick, you have a little bit less. So I think you have to make your movements a little finer and it's just a tiny little thing you adjust to. But everyone who's done it apparently loves the hell out of it. So I would look okay. into that too. Yeah, I didn't I know mean... they made steel ones though. Yeah, uh, well, so, right. That's like a third party or, or like a... a a project 
Um, but yeah, so there you go. There, so the N64 controller, it's... It, the, the other things about it is just that, like, the handles for, for your hands are nice and long and thick and girthy, and they just feel so right in your hands. Uh, like, like they, they just... They're just... Like, a big, a big complaint I hear about, like, PlayStation controllers, for example, at least before the DualShock 4, was that they don't fit in your hands, you know? But, like, the, the, the prongs, the handles of those things, like, they fill your hands up, you know? And they're just very, very comfortable to hold. The A and B buttons feel super, super nice. Can you see how big you know? my hand is compared to the handles of this N64 controller? I have big hands. I can, yeah. I have big hands, and they still manage to fit perfectly on this controller. No matter, it's weird. Like I can't hold like an NES in a normal way, an NES controller in a normal way. This fits fine every time, no matter what. Even when I was a yeah. kid, when I was a kid, it felt for perfect. Now it feels yeah pretty perfect. So outside of uh, of the analog sticks wearing out, I think that the 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 N sixty four controller is a it's a great controller. Great controller. I'm glad we can agree on that. Yeah. Um, as far as... Uh, we need to talk about Microsoft now. Can we talk about the Duke? Yeah. I have big yeah. hands. So, transitioning to that. Uh, loved the Duke. Did you ever get to try one? Yeah, it was a fucking joke. It was like I was holding a hamburger. <laughs> I can feel that. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's why Americans liked it so much. I but like oh my god like no well the thing for me though is like not only was it big right not only was it like stupidly large but um I felt like the the A B X Y buttons had this really weird shape yes. to them where they they were like ovals they're like little and, candies I loved them well one they they were also not in a square or a a, a diamond pattern they were like elongated as in like uh they were they were a skewed diamond yeah so like one of the diagonals was farther apart than the other diagonal mm -hmm. and that kind of thing and i don't know man everything about it i just hated there, there, i didn't like that about it there's uh i i would say there's one big flaw about the duke obviously a two if you're really small if you have really small hands um but for People like me who found it more comfortable, uh, there's th the one big problem is the white and black buttons. The white and black buttons on the revised Xbox controller that most people know are down below the, you know, your X, Y, A, B buttons, which in that instance are nowhere near as elongated or skewed. They're actually a little bit more rounded and traditional feeling. And so are the, the black and white buttons. They're no longer tall thick ovals they're more i think actually the, the the black and 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 white buttons on the original or on the revision it might be just be totally round um but they feel pretty close to round that's the best improvement because whenever you need to go to a white and black button thinking halo one i'm thinking like grenade stuff like that um i don't want to reach for it and with your thumb all the way down here having to go above your 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 you know your XYAB buttons you're reaching to get to that button every time. So I didn't hate it when I used it, but I saw how much better it was the better way with the revised controller. 
Um, that's the first thing I noticed. I love the Duke controller. I love how it feels. I love the weight to it. I love the meatiness to it. I love that I feel like I can beat someone to death with it. <laughs> it has it has yeah, good. But it, how do you like how fifty percent of the surface area of the of the controller is taken up by the Xbox logo? I love it because companies <laughs> later on would come to replace that with an actual programmable LCD screen. Pretty mm-hmm. cool. Useless uh, in the day, but I didn't care. I was like, "Oh, it's big and green and shiny. I have an Xbox now." I was so happy, and I hate saying this because I miss it. I was so happy to have traded in my GameCube to get an Xbox to play Halo. Like I was like, I came up with the money to bridge the gap that GameStop wouldn't give me, you know, on top of the trade in. I was proud of that money and I knew I wanted an Xbox. And it was like one of the the first instances where I'd worked for something in my life. (laughs) And I was like, oh yeah. And I was like, I want the damn Xbox. And so that, that the logo thing didn't bother me. I thought it was cool. Um, (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I looking back on it it's not the best you know visual design but at the time i thought it was badass um especially coming off of like you know the sega craze like the advertising didn't slow down with xbox <laughs> or it, it kept going with xbox but um so what my other criticism of the Duke, yeah. but the thing is though that this actually net microsoft never improved this is um, when we talk about convex buttons, like on the Super Nintendo uh, and all that, they're still pretty flat. They're barely convex. While I feel like Xbox controller buttons are actual, like, marbles, like they're actual half spheres coming out of the controller, and I hate the feeling of that. The way that, like... There, it, it, it like more centralizes where the pressure yes. is going into your finger when you press it, which can soar out your thumb. But also, it makes it so that when you press the button, it doesn't come down flush with the face of the controller. <laughs> Instead, you can feel the ridge of the plastic of the controller in the circle, you know what I mean? And just... Oh, shit like that, I just can't stand. Yeah. Uh, and, and Microsoft has never fixed that. The revision is like that, the 360, the Xbox One. It's just it's just how they do their buttons, and I hate it. <laughs> I'll give you this, though. Uh, I think the reason for that is because they found so much success with the first revision of the first Xbox controller that they just kind of kept the same way. They kind of just, hey, this is this is how Xbox buttons feel, you know? That's how they feel. But I think that sprang from the Duke controller where they were, you know, convex, like way more convex than other buttons and more convex than the revisions buttons. But because of the way that they were together in that skewed diamond format, it kept the buttons rather close together so that like it you weren't centralizing pressure fully to just hit one button it was kind of a situation where you could almost just roll between buttons as if it was almost a d-pad does that make sense like it was yeah it it made it so you can slide a little easier that is an interesting point as far as the the duke specifically where yeah like the the convex did allow them to put the face buttons closer together while not necessarily feeling that close together but i can see but i can see how you don't like the rest of them because i didn't either i i I way prefer the flatter face of the sony buttons and stuff like that after that yeah and then then we get into the most confusing thing to me um like i don't understand this the so microsoft then makes the xbox 360 
And I feel like when you ask most people what is the best video game controller of all time, I feel like most of the time the answer that you get is Xbox 360. And I fucking hate that controller. <laughs> <laughs> Cannot stand You hate it, it like in general up, up more than any other controller or like do you hate it for 3D applications? Do you hate it for first person <sighs> shooters? I I think that all of the different parts of it feel bad to operate. Like, <laughs> Everything uh, about this is just awful. <laughs> like, w- so the sticks are fine. All right. The sticks are fine. Agreed. And then I guess the bumpers are fine, right? Except that they're called bumpers, and that's stupid. Agreed. I hate that. Um, but so I, I'm not into the bumpers and triggers thing. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, I like how Sony has done it starting with the DualShock 4, uh, where like, yeah, they're, they're analog R2 and L2R where they're triggers, but there's still buttons that feel very similar to R1 and L1, you know, instead of it being like the bumpers are horizontal and skinny and the triggers are vertical and skinny. I don't know. I just kind of hate the feeling of operating both of those two things differently. Also, it's got those marble-ass convex buttons that I dislike. And no one can argue about the fucking D-pad on that thing. That thing was an embarrassment. Yeah. That thing was an insult. That oh The my D-pad yeah. that was... Uh, <laughs> I, What's the best thing to relate this to? The D-pad on that was the front bumper on a 1991 Nissan Stanza. <laughs> or or even better, uh, Nissan 280SX. It's literally just a piece of metal because it has to be there. It has to it's a D-pad for for a console where games won't fucking use them at all anymore everyone's using the stick now to navigate menus oh <laughs> don't even god that just oh i want oh just put cigarettes out on my <laughs> dick i mean i stole i stole that joke but we, no they, the the <laughs> the idea of menuing with an analog stick just it, it just it hurts me so badly to hear that. Do you know what's even better though than uh, it? It's it's a it's not much better, but it's a market increase. Is not an analog stick, but still a stick because you have the clickiness with micro switches to navigate a menu. That's not bad. But I tell you what, man, when I'm using an arcade stick like this to play puzzle games like Super Puzzle Fighter Two Turbo, it's terrible it's fucking off don't ever use an analog this is way too imprecise for things that require something that needs to be binary input like hey did you mean to put that block literally one millimeter to the right and then down instantly well too bad because you did sorry you need you need to get around that um but like navigating menus i wanted to go back to the stick thing because have you seen the sticks on the Duke? They are not the same sticks that everyone knows on the Xbox. They're these t- slightly taller, kind of mushroom-shaped looking things with a small yeah, cup like, in the middle for your thumb to rest in. I Yeah, the two cups were different sizes yes. also. Like the cup the cup part of it was bigger on the left stick and on the right stick it was almost all mushroom. Yes. With a tiny little scoop on the That's middle. the one I'm talking mm-hmm. about, and I, and I like it. And they've got like a fucking crosshair yeah, pattern. Yeah, the crosshair and, and the little, yes, exactly. I liked where they were going with that. I, I liked the line of thinking of, 
hey, this is probably where you're going to be controlling the camera of most first and third person kind of shooter games. Let's give you the ability to have this one just a little bit, little, be a little bit more precise, you know? Um, I like that thinking. It didn't really make a huge difference from what I remember. I, I, I loved playing the Duke controller. I loved playing the Revision controller. They're both good for, for first person shooters, specifically Halo. Um, but I, I really couldn't tell a difference in aiming ability um, beyond, hey, I'm holding a bigger controller now and my hands are different, so it feels different, you know? So, I, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Here's the thing I'll say about the Duke controller, because I know I'm biased because it's a little bit of a nostalgia thing, um, because it's how I first experienced Xbox and Halo. Um, I recently had the ability a year ago because i bought a collection of xbox stuff that this guy was selling i recently had the ability to just hold them side by side for the first time ever one after the other and the revised xbox controller is like objectively better <laughs> like just in your hands and everything i was so disappointed to just realize how much more i wanted the duke to be better but it wasn't <laughs> and i think it has a little bit more to do with uh Sorry, little offshoot story here. Um, I was so disappointed and dismayed when I got Halo uh, for myself when I got that Xbox after I traded in my GameCube uh, that I didn't have the Duke controller like my cousin had because I went to his house for Christmas when he got one and we we played Halo for like four hours. Um, he had the Duke controller, loved it. I didn't get that. I was like, how do I get one of these older controllers? Um, the answer was go to GameStop, buy a used one because they're not selling them anymore. Um, and I go there, they have one and they're there. It's a used controller. So it's not, it's not going to come in a box, but it's in what GameStop does that it, they, there's this bag. It looks almost as if you were to just buy a pet fish. If there's this bag and it's stapled together with some, some cardboard shit that says GameStop on it. And then a price tag. Um, all the controllers are sold as is. And here's why they say that on that sign. Here's me. I'm going into GameStop. I find the one Duke controller in the store. It's strain relief part where the cable plugs into the actual controller. is a little bent forward, but I don't care. It's it's an Xbox controller. It has that cool disconnecting plug thingy. That's a great feature because then you're no longer kicking your console out of your damn shelf when some kid walks by. Um, I've got an insert. Please about go, that. yeah. I used to work at GameStop, and I, I cannot tell you how many people came in to trade in Xbox stuff that was missing oh. the actual plug-in part. It just ended at the breakaway. Oh. And uh, oh, happened all the Sucks, time. Sucks, dude. That's, not, right, a, that's not a controller. You can't <laughs> turn it in. I'm sorry. You got to speak to the manager. Right. I am the manager. Sorry. There's only two of us here all day. Sorry. You can't use this. Yeah. <laughs> um, great feature. Loved that. Innovative. Makes the secondhand market a, a mess later on, but I still love it anyway. Um, you can you can buy those. Side note, on eBay, you can buy those new for like two or three dollars. They're not hard to get. Um, but anyway, the actual controller that I get, I'm I'm excited. I'm I'm bringing it to the shelf. The 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 clerk has a smile on their face. It's gonna be a good day. I'm with my mom, by the way. I can't. I'm not old enough to drive at this point. Um, <laughs> And she's with me. She's like, that's what you want? I was like, yeah. And she's like, it's not even new. It's like, it's whatever. So I buy it. We get it. I'm so excited. I'm like, it's in the, it's a, it's in the plastic, so I can't fucking hold it. I'm like, I bought this. I'm going to open up in the car here. We're driving home. I open up the top. I peel the staple off. 
I don't even get it out of the bag when both of us in the car are immediately just like shot, like just still like what the fuck is going on? Because now the entire inside of my 2000 Ford Explorer Sport smells like dead rotting fish. (laughs) (laughs) And there is no fucking way that a GameStop employee did not smell something that strong before they just sealed it up in the bag and then just stapled it and slapped a price on it and said, fuck it. Um, I had to roll the window. To, my mom made me. This was my choice, but my mom was like, so, mm-hmm. I was holding the controller outside of the car the whole way home <laughs> because it needed to air out so bad. Uh, and guess what? When we got it home, no different. It was just as strong. We have no fucking clue why this thing's reeked of rotting fish. Uh, it was clean on the outside. We we were like spraying. I I sprayed it with like some fucking Axe body spray because I'm ten. <laughs> and that's how you clean stuff after you get a lighter. You're like, oh no, that made it worse. <laughs> so yeah, I spray. Well, this was after actually cleaning it with some like Windex and soap and water and you know airing out and shit and uh <laughs> and then i get the axe and the, the axe body spray and the lighter to, to light it all on fire to, to really clean it you know <laughs> um and so i'm sitting here with this controller that now smells like burnt axe and dead rotting fish <laughs> that hasn't gone away pissed off and i'm like i'm gonna play some goddamn halo so i play halo and i get used to my stinky-ass fish controller, and my fish controller gets less stinky and fishy over time, and eventually uh, the cable the cable just kind of uh, rotted out and frayed, and I couldn't use it anymore, and I threw it away. Still smelling like fish, by the way. Um, never never even called GameStop to complain, because I'm not that kind of person. I, I, I physically can't be rude like that sometimes. But, my God, a rotting fish controller... And I liked it enough to keep using it. For Halo 2 mm-hmm. online, by the way, uh, the Xbox Live stuff, OG stuff where I was like, that's, I was like, this is the pinnacle of gaming was playing Halo 2 on Xbox Live. But yeah, it yeah. didn't hinder. I liked, I liked the Duke a lot, but in hindsight, if I, if I had just stuck with the first one, it probably would have been better. Well, great diversion away from discussing how terrible the D-pad is on the Xbox 360 <laughs> controller. Because here's the deal. You, you move, if, if your character is moving around in a 3D space, yeah, use the analog stick. But once you're on a menu where you need to go up and down or perhaps Uh-oh. left and right, oh, okay, you, 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 you got to use the D-pad, there. dude. Oh. Yeah, you're good though. Um the D-pad, yeah, the D-pads have always been weird. Like especially on the very first Xbox because they were doing this thing where they were like, let's do the exact fucking opposite that everyone else has ever made a D-pad. And they made an inverted D-pad that was rounded. So like it's like it it's like an it's like a third analog stick. It's like a really shallow yeah. analog stick that has no action and it's called a D-pad. And oh my god, it's just it's just awful. Yeah, with the with the 360, that's the one where they made it a more flat D-pad, but it was still like one solid piece, right? Yeah. I mean, and like it always is. Here's the real problem with it is that analog sticks are supposed to tilt 
and this one like moves. You know what I mean? Uh, as in like when you when you press left or right on it, it's like the entire circular D-pad. The whole thing, including the middle, moves in that direction, and that's what I mean when I say it's like a, another yeah. really shallow analog. I, I, I get what you mean. Now. Um, and it, it's, it's so yeah. bad for anything like. Um, there, you could play Mortal Kombat at the time. Sorry, I always bring it back to fighting games. But you can play Mortal Kombat at the time, and it's important because D-pads are still very relevant in fighting games, um, it's, even if they're 3D games because a sti- sidestepping is a thing. You need to choose the directional input for that as well as your normal back and forth, you know, guarding and all that stuff. Um, and sticks don't really provide you that precise input that you need all the time, so... The D-pad is definitely something I remember using a good bit in Mortal Kombat Deception. Uh, and as much as, you know, I I wasn't like, I wasn't like a pro gamer, you know, at that time. But I don't remember hating the D-pad for the Xbox anywhere near as much as I feel like a lot of people do now. Because, A... Sorry to say again, it's not as relevant in that kind of genre of gaming. But B, when I used it, I felt like, oh, this is different. And the plastic, to its credit, was polished, soft, made it so you could slide your finger easy. It wasn't like it didn't. It wasn't too porous. Didn't catch your finger. Uh, didn't hold dirt or anything like that. It felt nice for what I needed to do with it. If I had to put my thumb all the way down there back in PS4 kind of like controls, I liked having the ability to do that because it was like, oh, I've used PlayStation controls all my life. If I need to use a D-pad, it'll feel somewhat kind of like a familiar feeling. But yeah. Yeah. Um. So one more Nintendo controller that I wanted to talk Shoot. about is uh, the... The Switch Pro Controller, dude. This thing has actually sort of become my go-to controller in general, like for PC even. Uh, I really like the Pro Controller. It's got, it's got double, you know, it's got four shoulder buttons. Like, why, why is that important? I can't remember. Four shoulder buttons. Um, beca- like, well, you don't have well, triggers, they feel right? Nice is one thing. Yeah, like it's it's got it's got R one and R two like the PlayStation has, except they call it R and Z R oh, and L and Z L. That's a little it's a little dumb, but at least they feel good to press. We we also and do then, need to uh, talk about naming conventions when it comes to controllers because my God. Oh sure. <laughs> but like the A B X Y on this thing feel really good. The start and select, which are plus and minus, are in a nice spot. You know. It's got uh, its analog sticks feel super good, and um, yeah, and so it works on PC. It it's just it's chunky and like feels really nice in it's, your hands. It, I feel it's like a if heavier you have too, feels solid. Yeah, I feel like if you have bigger hands, this is probably another controller that you'd like. Because um, like for me, like I don't have the biggest hands in the world. I do have kind of lanky hands. Like my fingers are kind of long. Yeah, mine too. Um, but. But, uh, so yeah, I, I really, really like the Switch Pro Controller, and I use it for most PC games nowadays. However, my complaint about it is actually the D-pad. Um, it's fine. It's no, it's w- way better. Like, it's not in the same conversation as that Xbox It's D-pad. still, like, like it's, separate it's buttons as a D-pad, though, right? 
Yeah, but it's really easy to hit diagonals accidentally with it, which is not a problem with, like... It's interesting, because, like, you know, different controllers are better for different applications. Like, um, I wouldn't... Even though I really like the Pro Controller, I wouldn't want to play a Super Nintendo game with it. Just because, like, on Super Nintendo or NES, you need the... D Those games needed the D-pad to be so precise, you know? And, uh, and the Switch Pro Controllers isn't that precise. I think one of the issues is that you can kind of press the whole thing down, and that isn't really a problem with the old controllers, where it's like the entire D-pad can be depressed, yeah. you know? Uh, and that, I think that's an issue, and, and I, I feel like that causes a problem, where when you're pressing left, it's way too easy for up or down to also get registered. So yeah, unfortunate. Uh, but for menuing, it's still fine. That's my thing about it, is that, like, if you're playing a game that's all analog stick, but then you use the D-pad just to menu around, it's great for that. But, like, playing Tetris, you know, or something, you're probably going to get a lot of accidental movements or, you know, something like that. But overall, love that controller. It's real yeah, good. The, the uh, I Go ahead. Oh, I, the, 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 just the thing about the, the D-pad is interesting because you know what company has been consistently making good D-pads even today is Sony. The D-pads oh. on PlayStation controllers are great, and they always that, have been. I, it really just depends on your application. Well, I, maybe for fighting games you're not that good. But, like, here's my thing, though, is that they're precise. When you press right, you press right. And when you press up, only up gets it's pressed. It's great for platformers like, and stuff um, like that. It's a good D-pad for that. Or it's good for everything except maybe fighting games, I guess, because you can't roll your thumb on it very easily. But, like, well, I don't know, though, man. Tank controls on, like, Resident Evil and stuff, I, I, feel, like, uh, I feel like the D-pad gets a solid workout there and it, and it works just fine. I, the big thing for me is I talked a lot about Hatsune Miku Project mm. Diva, uh, one of our last episodes. That game requires a lot of very fast and very precise D-pad work. And on Sony controllers, it's always been great. And then this one that came out on Switch is when I'm noticing, like, oh, my God, this, this Switch D-pad is not up to the job uh, that, you know, that, the, that the PlayStation one can do. Um, I've actually heard for for that game specifically on Switch. I've heard that it's become a lot more popular to hook a a DualShock Four up to a Switch <laughs> using an adapter just to play that game. I I'm not sure. It's <sighs> here's the thing. I say that the D-pad is not good historically on Sony consoles because of my retrospective in finally kind of just really getting good or like serious about playing fighting games. Um, Every time before that, I've always liked Sony D-pads. Um, they've kind of felt roughly the same, but although if you do them side by side, you can feel a clear difference uh, in like a PS4 versus like a PS1 D-pad. Um, they've always done exactly what I needed them to do, and I haven't complained because I didn't really have anything to compare them to. Um, then I started playing fighting games, and the problem with it is because you need to make quarter circle movements on that d-pad on sony consoles specifically they are one solid plastic piece and it works as a rocker switch kind of thing um and 
in order for that to work, those actual D-pad buttons need holes to guide them. So there, it there's like this central pivoting point in the D-pad itself, and that lies under this like you know the white plastic like you know outer shell of the case. So like it's poking out out of four different holes. This D-pad instead of being one big plus sign like say a Nintendo controller, like say like the like the the Super Nintendo controller. That's one that that's also a solid uh, rocker piece, but it doesn't have that like middle segregation. You can go from down to right or down to left, no problem, still maintaining a constant touch on the actual control. Um, it's not really as much of a problem as I'm kind of making it out to be on Sony consoles because you can definitely still do quarter circle inputs and nine times out of 10, you'll get them. But like if I did... 10 tries on a Super Nintendo controller, it's going to be 10 out of 10. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's going to drop inputs yeah. at critical times in, in, in things where that could decide the entire outcome of a match right there. Yeah, like the D-pad of Sony controllers, I, I definitely see the criticism more like, it, it's harder to press diagonals mm -hmm. on their D-pads than on, than on others. Right, because you don't have that, that middle piece. So like, I, I talked about like Resident Evil... Uh, with its tank controls, which, like, I think it feels fine, but it definitely does Could you explain wear tank your controls out. when you're talking about D-pads? Yeah, so tank controls means that um, when you press up on the D-pad, your character walks forward oh. relative to your character. Okay. And then left and right rotates your character. So, like, Resident Evil, it was really important because that game has fixed camera angles where you might be running forward and then the camera angle changes, changing the orientation of your character, but you just keep holding forward and they keep running forward. It was super necessary for that type of game. Um, and, uh, you know, tank controls get a bad rap. I like them, uh, you know, for those games and for those purposes. I think that they worked really well. Definitely, though, with, with the Sony D-pad, I, I do, I always feel like I have precision where, like, I can hit the diagonals when I mm -hmm. want to, but it's definitely harder. Like, it's more of a workout for the thumb I, to get the diagonals. I feel like you have to press I'm going to put a counterpoint in here uh, to what I just said because it's going to bring us back to another controller that we just discussed as one of the best ever. Um, so I said it's better to have a one solid, like, contiguous plus sign, rather, so you can touch the D-pad all the time and get those diagonal inputs in there. Um, the problem <laughs> comes in when it, when it comes to the placement of it and the size, because here's what I'm going to say. I will not call any of the Sony consoles, uh, haver of worst D pad on any controller ever. Um, at least with the mainline companies, I, that goes to Nintendo because the GameCube, Dude, it's the Xbox 360 D pad. You're crazy. The Xbox 360 D-pad is the worst thing humans have ever created. Well, okay, so hang on. No, <laughs> and here's why that's wrong. <laughs> where, where, where do I start? Anyway, um, the GameCube's D-pad is... How much surface area is there to press It's it's compared tiny. to the 360 D-pad? There's too much on the D-pad of the 360. I agree with that. But 
in that case, if it's going to be in that, if it's going to be in the generation of games where I'm not going to be using D pads as much, and they're going to put it in that small secondary spot, I want to be able to fucking use it. So I'm going to take the 360 over the GameCube any day when it comes to that shitty little D pad. And here's how I found this out. This is when I'm going through the phase of, hey, I need to. I'm about to beat Castlevania 3. Next game is a Game Boy game. I need to stream the Game Boy game. Well, I'm going to use the Game Boy player for the GameCube. How am I going to get a controller? Well, if we can try the GameCube controller D-pad, and I go, I, I, all right, let's try it. So I use the GameCube controller D-pad to play Game Boy Castlevania, and I didn't know there was a way to play that game that would make you hate it even more. But play it with an actual GameCube controller and you will find out. Because holy fuck, it's tiny, it's out of the way, and it's sharp. Its edges are sharp. And it's like, dude, I'm putting directional impact inputs on this all the time. This is terrible. And then I go, man, why the fuck is this so bad? Like, let me try something else. Let me try an actual Game Boy. So this is where you learn that in the GameCube generation, you can buy a cable that will allow you to plug up a Game Boy Advance, and you can use the Game Boy Advance to control the actual, uh, you know, Game Boy experience on your screen with a GameCube controller, you know, plug. So what I do is I, I, I try that, and I go, oh my god, this feels so much better. And then I look at them. I look at the GameCube controller, next to my Game Boy Advance. And I go, why is this D-pad so much better than, oh, wait a minute. And dude, I shit you not. The D-pad for the Game Boy Advance, the, you know, the, the, the horizontal one, not the SP, the D-pad for the Game Boy Advance might actually be the same exact fucking part number for the GameCube D-pad because it's it looks the same. It's the same color. I'm pr Yeah, there we go. So we have it on camera now looks the same exact fucking d-pad maybe with slight minor differences in yours like they're maybe i don't know it could just be dirt in yours like in the corners of the arrows but it's the same fucking d-pad and it's so much worse in the gamecube controller than it is the game boy um but a, a lot of that obviously has to do with the surface area and the placement and where your thumbs are going but yeah your thoughts on the gamecube d-pad dash I don't so I, I'm I'm really glad that that's where you were going with that story because I thought for a second that you were gonna say I switched to a Game Boy Advance and it was and it was so it's much the better same shit <laughs> without with and I was gonna say bro look at these two side by side they they look exactly thank the you same. for illustrating that uh, thank you. yeah so so yeah um that's something I noticed a while ago also is that yes the GameCube D pad. The GameCube D-pad is too small, for sure. And uh, I never had an original model Game Boy Advance. I was an SP kid, uh, and so and the SP D-pad was a lot flatter and a little bit bigger and, um, and uh, was more, like, clicky and shallow. It felt a lot different. Yeah. Uh, so, but recently, though, recently, when, when I was setting up my Game Boy Player to play Game Boy games with... I was like, you know what, I'm going to get an original Game Boy Advance, and I'm going to get that link cable, and this is how I'm going to play Game Boy Advance games now. And man, I felt the D-pad on the on the regular Game Boy Advance for the first time, and That's I hated terrible. it. It's, it's, it's way too small. Uh, it, like, the, like, I really think that the SP, 
I don't know if they redesigned the SPD pad because this one's bad, or I think it's more they redesigned it because of the the clamshell design, right? The more shallow D-pad that doesn't have yeah. as much action is probably because it's going to be up against exactly. the screen when it's and closed. And there's very little but, like, depth that they put to it. Yeah, but turns out though that the D that D pad that's shallower and clickier um, and flatter is just it just feels it's a so lot much better. Uh, however, however, so yeah, that's a thing. I have been playing Resident Evil Code Veronica X for the GameCube mm-hmm. though, and being a game that has tank controls, you bet your ass I'm using the D-pad and not the analog stick because you don't do tank controls with an analog stick. It feels terrible. And you know, after a few hours, it felt just fine. At first I was like, "Boy, I really hate this. I really don't like how this feels with this tiny D-pad with the doing tank controls." But you know, after a solid four hours, I was zipping around and zooming and doing just fine with that now, D-pad. It's too small, but it's very functional. Yeah. Um, but if you had to compare it, though, if you had to compare it, let's get to the to the elephant in the room. Um, not really the biggest elephant, but if you had to compare it to the game of that or the 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 controller for the console of which that game came out first, which was the Dreamcast, how would you compare it to the Dreamcast D-pad? I have not used a Dreamcast D-pad since I was in like elementary school, so I, I could not fresh you. enough in the brain though. In- yeah, inform us. How what what's the deal with this Dreamcast D-pad? I don't know. I haven't either. I never owned a Dreamcast until just <laughs> recently. I might have one here in my box of controllers, but I don't think I have one in this box. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, uh, so someone in our in our live chat here, Omega Weapon, was saying that uh, <laughs> it, it cuts your fingers. Yeah, it cuts your fingers. Probably talking about the <laughs> GameCube, dude. Try to try to do. No, he's talking about he's talking about Dreamcast. Oh, the Dreamcast. Oh, okay, never mind. So maybe yeah. he, maybe the Dreamcast wasn't the best D-pad then. But I do know that the Dreamcast was a huge platform for fighting games. Um, but most people kind of just bought arcade stick Dreamcast controllers for that. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, I was gonna say for the Dreamcast, what I've felt of it, um, it felt, and I'm coming at this from the perspective of. I think I maybe tried a Dreamcast for two minutes at a Walmart kiosk in the game section. And uh, I wasn't the biggest fan of how it felt. It, it My hands felt cramped on it. Um, and then, of course, the Xbox came out. And I was like, whoa, this feels like exactly what I remember the Dreamcast feeling like, but way better. Um, so... <sighs> There's things I like about the Dreamcast, though. Like, I like that it was the first kind of, like... It felt like an ergonomic UFO in my hand, which is... You know, it it came from another thing called the Sega Saturn 3D controller, which was, like I said, a proto-Dreamcast controller, but it had a little bit more round shape to it, and I think it was even smaller. But this one was the, this one was the more, like, pancake UFO uh, ergonomic controller in your hand, and... It used the same kind of like layout um, that would re- I'm most reminded of of when it comes to the C buttons on the N64 for its X Y A B 
kind of style buttons. It felt a little closer to that, even though they're a little bit bigger, I want to say. Um, and the triggers were very small, like conversely to the PS2, which just has these fat L2 and, and R2 buttons. It, this had actual triggers, but they were like small. It, and I don't know. There's, <laughs> I have to, I have to give huge bonus cred points here because Dreamcast was, in generally just super innovative in that the memory card system for the controller of this, which never had been seen until this point, the memory card was interactive in that you have what's called, instead of a memory card, it's called a VMU or visual memory unit, if I'm remembering that right. And then, uh, yeah, it's like a little weird, you know, depending on what you're doing, you have like a little weird Tamagotchi pet right there in your, uh, in, in your, in your controller. And that would be useful for stuff like Sega or, uh, Sonic Adventure where like, you'd have like, uh, what were they called? Chow, I think they were called Chow. Oh, so yeah. So like these little Tamagotchi mm-hmm. pets inside. And the, the, the idea was to have a, li- a cute little mini game to showcase the Dreamcast's VMU capabilities, you know, and eventually you know, Nintendo would shit all over the party and make it 10 times better and make it a Game Boy Advance kind of thing where if you plug your Game Boy Advance uh, into your Game Boy player and then played Sonic Adventure 2 DX, you know, that for the remakes on GameCube, you could actually go into, like, this really cool-looking, like, uh, Pokemon-style-looking world where you could play with your Chow as Sonic in this cool little top-down thing, like a garden. It was weird. It was pretty cool. It was fun. But yeah, it started yeah, yeah. with the Dreamcast there. Yeah, and S- Sony did have something similar in Japan called Pocket Station. I don't know if it was a memory card, though. I think it was. Yeah, it was. It plugged into the memory card slot. And uh, and it, so the only reason I know about it is because the manual for Final Fantasy VIII has a whole section about the pocket station on it. And then at the end, there's this little blurb that says, you know, yeah, this thing might not come out in the U.S., but I uh, hope it does. And that's, yeah, it that's never cute. did. Like little things that developers <laughs> will throw into a game like, hey, we don't have any control over this, but here's this cute thing. Maybe you'll get it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think like literally what it said was like, may not be available in all regions or something. Uh, you know, I don't Your know. first explanation but, was uh, But yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I feel like on another episode, perhaps we should talk about silly controllers because that's going to be a whole oh, different absolutely. topic. For for today, we should probably give a, a quicker rundown of... Oh, wait, Dreamcast. I have a vendetta against Dreamcast. They took ABXY, which Nintendo established, and they fucking flipped them. They put A on the bottom mm. and Y on the top, and it's just an I hate it. I hate that they Who? did that. Because then Xbox did that, and then fucking everyone got used to the Xbox controller, and then that fucked up the controls for PC hang on, games. Hang on, hang on. Let's 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 establish forever. your premises here. You say mm-hmm. Nintendo established ABXY with the SNES controller, right? Uh, Are yeah. you sure XY started as a, a separate to AB with SNES? Did it did it not start with? Uh, let's see. Let's 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 talk about some different controller nomenclature. We have ABXY. We have square, triangle, circle, X, or cross. 
Uh, and then we have numbers, as in Roman numerals, like the Turbo Graphics Turbo 16 controller, PC Engine. It'll have yep. the one and two. Uh, very strange decision. Always loved it though. It, weird. The signature. Master System had uh, one, one and, and two. two, not Roman numerals. Yes, number yep. one and two, and the pause button was on the console, not the controller. Yeah. <laughs> um, Awful controller. It was basically a weird inverse. Oh, God. You want to talk <laughs> shitty D-pads, the fucking the master worst. system. Might be the worst. Holy shit. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a Sega fanboy, but I didn't even know the master system existed until like three years ago when I bought one for 80 bucks. <laughs> and I tried that D-pad. And I was like, is mine worn out or is this like a stupid little plastic <laughs> mushroom cap? That just has vague buttons that may get pressed underneath it. Like it's, it y- y'all okay? Y'all know what a D-pad looks like. It's a little plus on a Game Boy or an S. You know, you know what it looks like. Imagine instead a big square that has circled edges, like chamfered edges. I actually might have one here to show you, um, but dash might have one too circled edges and there's like braille there's like braille arrows on it that will tell you what direction you're pointing at the very edges of this weird plate um i have played a couple of games on the master system with it and it didn't hinder the experience uh in the in that early era of gaming you're not really doing a lot of like diagonal inputs anyway um so it's kind of just the four cardinal directions that you're working with most of the time with Master System games. I don't know. The first Master System game I played was Alien Syndrome. Did that one and I was one? immediately like, "How? holy shit, how do I plug an NES controller into <laughs> this thing? Because this is unplayable. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I'm just saying I, you're not playing Mortal Kombat on the Master System. You're not You're not even doing, you know, Street Fighter. Is, it's, it's after that. Um, it's... Yeah, but it's got Afterburner on uh, it. It's got Space Harrier That's on fast it. Action. There's a lot right. of... Well, okay, to be fair, though, yeah. the Master System ports of those were pretty... They, were, they weren't super slow running, but you didn't need to be real real fast either, I don't think. Um, the Genesis versions are a little, a lot more faithful to the arcade, but... Yeah, it's so it's it's really, it's like a slideshow on the Master System at times from what I've seen, but uh, let's be real here. I mean... It's, it's the D-pad. It's a, it's a D-pad. Control. It's going to move up and down, left and right when you ask it to. It does its job not well. I wouldn't say it does the jobs well. Yeah. Uh, it does its job well. The NES. It's a little it's a little yeah. drunk on the, the job. The NES D-pad's way better. But, uh, so, we're, so back to your point, though, about, about like, nomenclatures. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, I don't know that the Super Nintendo was literally the first ABXY controller, but, I mean, it's the first one that we all know about, right? I think so. Um, and and to your point, I do see where you, you say they, they kind of copied, because, like, Sega went from well, no, never mind, no, because I'm thinking it it was always it's A B C and then they added with the six button X Y. It's just there's also a Z now, so yeah X Y. I don't know if I'd call it a copy or diff. I don't know. Well, yeah. What so for the Dreamcast though? Here's what I mean. So the Dreamcast cut down from from A B C X Y Z. 
they cut it down to A, B, and yeah. X, Y, right? Uh, and A, B, X, Y in the exact diagonal pattern that Nintendo used on the A Super on the Nintendo. outside, B on the inside. No, I just mean in the in the in the diagonal oh, okay, shape. Yeah. But they changed it so that A is on the bottom, B is on the right, Y is on top, and X is on the left. And then that's what Xbox yes. adopted also. Yes, but they changed the colors. They kept the the, the naming yeah. the same. They changed the colors. Um, and, and even right. that, but I hate it even because... that threw me off. As someone who didn't own a Dreamcast, I remember Dreamcast stuff at the time. And seeing how the Xbox, in the same generation, being marketed at basically the same time early on, was using the same letters, different colors. And I was like, how do we discern this apart? And then GameCube's over here like, we got a really big fucking A button. <laughs> and, yeah, then, yeah. and then, of course, PlayStation is, hey, here's this thing you remember. Was it good? Cool. Here you go. <laughs> yeah. So, right. So So then we'll get back to just talking generally about Sony. I mean, I feel like Sony controllers have always just been just really yes. solid in general. They've just always been great. Uh, you know, st- starting right with the Very PS1. They weren't fucking around, you know. Four shoulder buttons was I think that was pretty revolutionary. That was PS1 was the first controller to double up the shoulder buttons, I- right? I want to say so, but it, it, on the very first PS One, they were definitely buttons. They weren't the they weren't L two as like kind of like the weird trigger shape yet. The- right, yeah, they were just doubled up shoulder buttons. You had your four face buttons that felt good. They have their D pad that maybe you know there's a little bit of questioning about, but I've always really liked that D pad. It's always been precise and it does what you want. It's got start and select on it. Cool, five right? out of ten. Then. Uh, then Nintendo gave us the, uh, you know, the, the, the thumb stick, right? Not a arcade stick. They, they gave us, oh my God, it's, it's a analog stick just on your thumb. And Sony was like, Hey, we like that. Guess what? Our controllers got two of them now. Uh, and they made the DualShock, right? And ever since then, right? So we had PS1 DualShock. PS2 was about the same. They added pressure-sensitive buttons to the PS2, which I wasn't really into. I think that caused just which some confusion in were some games. In that? Was it just the shoulders, the, the triggers? I, from what I remember, it was definitely the face buttons. I don't know about the so triggers I've, or about the shoulder I've, buttons. I've, I've taken apart a couple PS2 controllers, and they're pretty much identical in on the face buttons, except for the trigger button. Yeah, is a lot more complicated. I think there's, I think it's, I think it's pressure sensitive triggers, because there's like, you know how, um, you know how when you need to get like PCB in a small space and you don't want to build a whole fucking uh, PCB because it ha- maybe has to bend around certain things. You make like a flex cable that's not a cable; it's a membrane. Um, there yeah. is like excess amounts of membrane in the trigger slot. Like no, I keep saying trigger, but you know L two R two. Um, it was significantly more annoying to put the controller back together than the original DualShock because of those trigger areas. Um, well, I yeah, I can tell you one hundred percent the face buttons really? were pressure sensitive because in Metal Gear Solid Three, when you grab a guy. If you hold the button really tightly, or just like normally, if you're not paying too much attention, Snake just slits the guy's really? fucking throat. But yeah, you have to like hold the button. You have to be real careful to hold the button gently 
to not murder the man while you carry him around. And then there, there was also a thing where it's like you press the button to aim a gun and you release to shoot. But like if you release it gently, then it doesn't shoot, you know. So face buttons for sure. Also in like Gran Turismo, that was how you like did different uh, acceleration values. But yeah, if you, I don't know how they did it. Because like you're saying, if you take apart a, a PS2 controller, it looks very similar on the inside to a regular controller. It does have that membrane you're talking about, though, over the face yeah. buttons. And so that must be how they're doing it. I don't know exactly how the circuitry works, but it's got to be something like there's maybe there's two circuits instead of just one. And so there's a half press and a full press. Turns out half A presses do exist, huh? Yeah, um, they, they are yeah. actually. So, yeah, I, what I was looking up just now said that I think everything, pretty much almost all the buttons were readable as analog values. And then we have some excellent help in our chat here who quoted all of the buttons except for the analog mode. Start, select, L3, and R3 buttons were readable as analog values, which I, actually I think is exactly what I read. Yeah, so it's everything except for like I, the, the clicky things, which are digital, you know? Yeah, I I wonder how analog it was because like if it's something if it's just the matter of the PCB circuit that's always there and then another one on a flex cable that's just two you know so maybe instead of zero or one the value is zero one or two you know I don't know which is not very I was analog. Say you could probably go to like five is what I was thinking. But how would you how would you That's accomplish that thinking. with so a button? They have you, the that would have there. to be crazy um, complex. They, from what I remember, when I took apart the PS2 controller that I took apart, it was like the PCB had that normal face with the um, you know like the little black contact, so that when you press the button into the membrane, the mm -hmm. magnetic membrane makes contact and thus completes the circuit. Um, I want to say, I want to say on the PS2. Instead of a solid like uh, contact patch, it was two, like two, like two pieces mm -hmm. of gold each. This is all from memory, and my memory's shit. So please take this with a grain of salt. But in my mind, that means when you're pressing it harder, you're putting more membrane, and you're giving one or the other a little bit more contact area. So maybe it has the ability to read if both leads are being read at the same time. Like maybe one lead will be yeah. much smaller than the bigger lead on the right or something. I, I'm just guessing out loud. Yeah. You know? Me too. And that that's why I'm saying though that that would if if that were the case that would one only two, read up yeah, to exactly. 2. It'd be or 0, zero one, 1 or yeah. 2. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I wonder how exactly it works. Maybe I maybe we can look that up. But anyway, so then the so the, they kind of kept it the same for PS3 except oh god, they added 6 axis which you know, I don't know. I was not I'm not into motion controls on like on normal controllers. Motion controls kind of have their place. I definitely don't like them in a two-handed controller, you know. So, 6 axis I wasn't a fan of. Uh DualShock 4, I'm a little torn on because I felt like the DualShock 4 after we had basically the same exact controller from DualShock 1, 2 and 3. 4 was when they finally made some like improvements where they made the sh the handle shapes a lot more yes. comfortable and uh and they made R2 and L2 so much better than these squishy mushy ass R2 and L2 from the from the DualShock 3. 
However, boy, do DualShock 4s wear out. Like, I, I have all kinds of controllers from all kinds of systems that I've used a shitload, right? The only controllers I've ever had wear out on me over time is the N64 analog stick and the DualShock 4, <laughs> just kind of everything on it. The X, both of my X buttons on my on my DualShock 4s have a really squishy, nasty feeling to them now. That kind of sticks sometimes. Uh, and the analog sticks do the most bizarre thing. I gotta I gotta explain this real quick. So. My first DualShock 4 started to have this problem where the right analog stick, if you moved it very slightly down, it would first register as if you were moving it very slightly up. And then if you moved it a little bit further, then it would correct and it would start to register properly where you were pressing it down. So once again, when you made very fine motions with the right analog stick up or down, it would first register the opposite direction. I feel like I've seen and that And then before, it would be actually. fine when you went further. I, I think I've... And so, problem is, on PS4, you're playing games like Bloodborne and Monster Hunter all the time, where my default state of position is both thumbs on both sticks, and I'm moving my character around while I'm very slowly panning the camera around because I want to look at shit, and you can't move the fa the camera fast because it's 30 frames per second, and you oh. won't be able to see anything if you do that, so you got to make fine camera adjustments, but all my fine camera adjustments are fucked up because the right analog stick is fucked up. So, I bought a second DualShock 4, used that for a long time, and uh, and what that one did was the left analog stick is no longer able to be pressed directly what? forward. It's got this it's got this like 5 degree pie slice oh, dead no. zone in the very center. So if you push it all the way forward, it either thinks that you're slightly left or slightly right and it like rapidly vibrates <laughs> between them. Yeah. So when you're playing Bloodborne and Monster Hunter, your character is just wiggling, just violently shaking left and right when you try to move straight forward. And it's, it's uh, yeah, I, DualShock 4s, man. It's funny because I watch, like, YouTube videos or whatever of, of gameplay of PS4 games, and I see this problem in other people's controllers, too. There was one video I was watching where I noticed that, like, all the footage they were getting of this game that they were talking about, I think it was, like, a video about Bloodborne, and I noticed that all of the shots, they were moving their character at, like, a 30-degree angle with the camera off kilter, you know, which looks kind of nice, you know, oh, it's, you know, it's just a nice cinematic thing that they're doing, but when they had a spot that was, like, a little bit of gameplay, I noticed their character doing the vibrating, and I was like, oh, I see what they're, they're just... They didn't want to have that to be all over their video because their fucking controller yep. does it too. Is it like, it's not like that, it's not like Joy-Con drift. It's where you're actually just, you, you hit a dead zone and the controller freaks out because it's not getting a true input for a second. Well, I I thought what drift, what, when people say drift, I thought what that means is that when they are not touching the analog sticks, the analog sticks are behaving as yes, if they're slightly Yes, that's what I think moving. that is. Um, it's not like yeah. that. 
it's like uh, it, it for for the one with the dead zone on the left, it's like there's this pie slice going directly forward where if you are in that zone, it just basically rounds it to the nearest mm. left or right of the pie slice. I, I need know? to go back to and then oh, the sorry. other one, yeah, the other one's just we oh the other one's just fucked. Oh yeah, that's yeah because God the repair costs alone in getting those right now it's stupid. Anyway, uh, I was going to say, there is a great use that is my personal favorite use, only because I haven't found a game that utilizes it very much, of 6-axis. Um, it's fine if you're not a fan of it. I think there's lots of games that make it so you don't even need to use it. But, without a doubt, the best fucking use of that tool is taking your right analog stick, clicking... And then typing whatever the fuck you want in PlayStation's keyboard by just going to each letter like this. It is so damn convenient. It's like, it's it's almost like, no, actually it's better than if I just had like a Wiimote and I was pointing at the letters. Because then you have two hands to articulate buttons and movement. With a Wiimote, you just have one hand move and then click, one hand move. No, no, with this, you... You can really type, like, obviously nowhere near as fast as you could with a keyboard in your hand, but, like, compared to, like, using the D-pad to go to each individual letter, having to scale uh, Q-W-E-R-T-Y, you know, having to do all that, that'd be bullshit when you can just aim. Like, the controller does such... I'm actually really surprised. Like, you don't really learn how intricate the motion, like, Con- not controls, but the motion sensing technology is within the DualShock Four. Until you like, you put on a PSVR helmet, you can see if like y- you're blind. You can't see in front of you if you're wearing a VR helmet. But you can hold the DualShock Four right up in front of you, and no matter which way you look at it, no matter which way you turn it, I just hit the button. All that happens all the time. I always hit the home button on accident. Criticism of DualShock Four. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Uh, but like, you can see exactly your 3D model of your controller in real time, flashing at you in the color of your actual controller lighting up. It's it's really fucking cool. Um, yeah, I actually just used VR for the first time uh, nice. recently, and I was really <laughs> impressed so good, by dude. um by the yeah the motion controls. It was like. You know, I can't see in front of me, but yeah, I'm looking at both of the two-handed controllers and moving them around, and there's no, not only is it really precise, but there was no latency, you know? So, like, it really just looked like my hands were moving, and yeah, that was super cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, the that, that kind of stuff was Also, was the battery really dies real quick. And yeah, someone... <laughs> for the PS4. Oh, yeah. Batteries are terrible. That's, a, that's another thing that got introduced with that generation. You know, so a lot of what I played on PS4 was Destiny, and I always blamed the the fast controller dying on the fact that Destiny likes to have your controller be rumbling about 90% yeah. of the time as you play it. Like, every little thing that you do in that game rumbles your controller. So I thought that's what was killing it, but if everybody else is, was dying fast also... Um, then maybe that's something else. On that note, I was talking up the Switch Pro Controller earlier. This thing lasts like 80 hours. This thing's battery is insane. That actually could be why it's, it's awesome. nice and heavy, solid feeling. There's probably a lot of battery in there. 
Yeah, so so one more controller to talk about in the main line then is the is the dual sense controller, the PS5 Haven't controller, even held one you know. Yet. First thing, well, since we're on the topic of batteries, this thing I feel like it lasts like 5 hours. Like it's such a terrible battery life. But the controller, it it is the shape of it is better than the DualShock 4s. Even the shape feels very nice. It fits in the hands super, super nicely. And uh, it's very heavy also, which I, I do kind of like that also. Overall, overall, it's a cool controller. The, um, the new thing that they do with the triggers where, like, you crunch past. Do you know about the what they do with I, R2 and L2? I, I've it's heard like, that there's, like, there, it's there, like there's, the, like... <sighs> magic behind the triggers essentially that makes you feel like you're so you know how the gamecube controller slides down and then clicks into mm -hmm. the end spot so the ps5 controller basically they can turn that on or off so you can have it be there or not dynamically in the game it can control it and they can move the spot at which it resists you know so you could have that crunch pass be right at the start and then the rest of it is smooth um, so yeah, that's really neat. Pretty cool little thing that they did there. I do worry that it's like, wow, that sounds like something that's just going to wear out really fast. You know, it sounds like something that's just more to go wrong, but that's also what people said when power windows were first invented. So, and know, they, who knows? I mean, it proved them right though. Power windows. Fuck they up do. A lot power more. windows do <laughs> go out all the time. Um, yeah. But, but um, you know, you, some things are just worth the sacrifice, you know? There is one bit. So besides battery life, there is one big complaint I have about the PS5 controller, though. Um, I don't have it sitting next to me, but I have the DualShock 4 uh, for comparison. And the thing is, the the face buttons on the DualShock 4 live on this flat plate, you know, like the front of the DualShock 4. There is a visible circular like plate that is flat that the face buttons live on. And I use that as in like, I usually have my, th my thumb kind of rested. Like, like there's a ridge right here on the controller. There's this ridge. And I use that as like home row on a keyboard, you know, to like, yeah, to kind of know where my thumb is. And, um, the DualShock or the DualSense, the PS5 controller does not have that. It is a smooth, smooth front of the controller all the way. So there's two problems. The first is that, yeah, that ridge isn't there for your thumb positioning, but also it means that the face buttons are no longer on a uniform flat surface, and it makes them feel kind of weird. I was going to say, I think, they, I, can't, I think they designed that controller that way as a way to sell PS5 graphics because they were using only like really like high end 3D modeling to advertise the PS5 early on. You know how that's oh, like yeah, the stupid yeah. transitions and like the state of play I think where they were re revealing it where they were just it's like you were this this tiny microscopic camera and you would just fly all along the ridges of the PS5 and then it would mm. darken and transition to the next scene and be on like a rotating turntable to give you different light angles and it's just like dude <sighs> i gotta admit i love that shit <laughs> it reminds me of like the opening to metal gear solid 2 you know or like doom 64 
where you're like flying through the big letters, but you don't even know it yet, and then it zooms out. No, it's the logo. Yeah. You know, I I love that shit. It was way better than a presentation screen going black. Uh, and then the crowd cheering kind of awkwardly, and then it dies down for a second because nothing's happening on stage. The lights go off, and then another representative walks out on stage to talk about the next thing. Way better than that, of course. Mm-hmm. But Speaking of that, yeah, I, I do miss the days where consoles were revealed on E3 oh, stages, you know, pulling the curtain back or having Reggie come out holding it, you know, and that kind of thing. I, I, I miss I, those I, days. I, yes, I do. Um, I miss that, too. I don't I don't know if it's going to come back. Uh, maybe not ever. But at the same time, <laughs> I'm just thinking about it, it's like, oh, God, there was a lot of cringy moments about early E3 too. Like, but you, th- God, watch E3 oh, cr- yeah. cringe compilation videos. It's not about the attendees. It's actually about the presentations. <laughs> like, oh, you know, early on in the two thousands, we thought it was a cool idea to hire uh, uh, Backstreet Boys cover band to come advertise this mm-hmm. Laura Croft game. Sure, okay, you know. <laughs> the 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 big wigs in the entertainment business said this is what you have to do to you know i don't know the the very worst shit for me the w- absolute cringiest shit is when they are previewing on stage a uh like a multiplayer co-op game and they've got like fake scripted banter oh, no. for the players to say to each other. <laughs> oh man, like oh, like I, uh, there was like when Destiny when they were showing Destiny, you know, and the guy like pulls out the rocket launcher, and and the teammate is like, "What's that?" You know, and he's like, "It's the get behind no. me gun or something." And everyone's like, oh, God, it's can, so bad. You can tell that, like, the dev team and, like, the marketing team got together to write the script, and they were all proud of it, too. And <laughs> Yeah, I know what mm-hmm. you mean. And, uh, and one thing I loved, too, that we don't necessarily get to see, but I heard uh, Jeff Gerstmann from Giant Bomb talking about how that thing that phenomenon gets way worse when you're in press and you go to another event for the game that you're also invited to and they have different people doing the same bit and so you're hearing it again different people I kind of oh, actually want to hear that now, just to hear the train wreck. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, Jody's on tonight? Dude, she's, like, out at dinner right now. Oh, well, then she's going to have to go on the next night. We're, we got to get Bob in here. Bob, come out here. Hey, man, you've read lines before, right? Yeah. What what mood do I mm-hmm. read it in? Like, surprised? And then it's going to be all way <laughs> even more awkward when it's performed. I love stuff like that, though. Like, ultimately... Uh, we're never going to get that again. Not in that same form anyway, but uh, back to controllers. Back to controllers. Right. DualShock 4, I talked about the. Uh, I talked about how I love typing with the six-axis movement. I am sad that the touchscreen, like the trackpad thing, never really got utilized like it could have. Um, but, yeah, man. Yeah, I, I'm not, I'm, I, I'm, a little grumpy about it but like i'm just super not into that kind of thing on controllers yeah. i don't need my controller to have a touchpad or what motion about, controls like i just want to press some fucking so you buttons. also don't like informational 
functions of a controller. So he, this is where I'm going to get uh, into two different yeah. things here. The, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do visual. Right, like the Wii U game. I'm going to do visual and I'm going to do okay, audio yeah. because they're two different okay. things, obviously. But anyway, visual, obviously, we have, okay, here we have a light on the front that tells you what player you are based off of whether you're blue, whether you're red, green, or I think the last one's purple. Um, that's that's Sony's things, which, haha, match up with their branding of the cross, the square, the triangle, and the circle. If you didn't know that fun little fact. Um, wait, wait, wait. Did you? Did I? What? Okay. Yeah. Go on. Blue go on. for cross or X. Red for circle. Yeah. Green for triangle. Pink for square. Those are the four colors. Four yeah, colors yeah, yeah. you can have shine out of your DualShock. I don't know if I've ever played a PS4 game with four players <laughs> right. before, but Not that's locally, really neat yeah. if they actually used. Because I I th- I thought that they used yellow for one I of the. I think there are games that actually change the color based upon the game that you're playing. Um, kind of like kind of like uh, how yeah. how Razer has the chroma keyboards that if you play like Doom 2016, like they're all, like all your keys will be like this red and yellow fiery orange changing pattern. Yeah. Um, they try to do a little bit of that too with like Overwatch. If you play Overwatch on PS4 your light will be whatever color it will be for the corresponding player of that game. So if I want to play um if I want to play Reinhardt, you know, I'm going to get I think uh I think a bright like 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 sky blue and then if I play uh Symmetra, I would get like dark blue. Yada yada that kind of stuff. I I think that Yeah. Yeah. That's But there's also there's informational stuff neat. like um this is where I first remember seeing it, which was the Xbox 360. I didn't get a 360 because I wasn't a fan of the games or the look. or There was a lot of shit I didn't like about the 360. But I loved the central Xbox button, the home button that you press. And when you press it, it like when I saw that turn a console on for the first time, my mind was fucking blown. I know the PS3 did the same thing, but mm, Xbox yeah, yeah. made like a point of it. It w- it because ha- it has the four corner LEDs around the Xbox logo. Yeah. So it'll tell you what player you are based upon which quarter you're in, as well as it'll make a circle loading animation kind of when you just turn things on. It was the coolest shit ever. That's like the syncing. That's the right? syncing. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty basic. Like mm-hmm. the Wii, you know, had the four LEDs for the four players, and it, it, it blunked when it, it was sinking, and then it blunked. turned on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that's that's pretty basic shit as far as informational stuff goes. My, the only time I ever really noticed the light bar on the PS4 was the first time I went into a dark area in Destiny, and, the, and your flashlight turns on, and when that happens, the light bar lights up white on the controller, and it actually, like, I was kind of in the dark, you know, so my controller actually kind of lit up a little bit in front of me, and I was like, oh, oh, neat, and that was it, I just had a little, oh, moment uh, but I don't know if that is worth all of the battery life that those uh, LEDs and shit probably took yeah, up over time. At least, at least PS4 <laughs> eventually, uh, with a firmware update, gave you the option to cut the brightness down a little bit of that light. So that helped mm-hmm. a bit, I think. Um, but I agree, yeah. The PS4, I think, uh, well, unless what you said is what you want to count as well as using the... Uh, using the Wii U as an example because we haven't talked about the Wii U controller yet because the Wii U controller is a screen 
as well as a control. It's like a switch if you're holding a switch without. Yeah, the, we we kind of got to talk about that on our crazy. Uh, yeah, controllers let's do that. Day. So for, for now, we'll just talk about the um, information it provides. So it's, it kind of works like kind of yeah. how if you're playing a DS game, your bottom screen can be interacted with, like your inventory, or you can use it for your map. It just depends on how the game is programmed. They kind of do the same thing with that. And I've I've heard from people like I, I think Voltar was talking about how I it was some game I can't remember what it was it might have been breath of the wild he says is much better on the wii u simply because of how that game lets you use the controls um and 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 what you can see on the screen with the controls uh with that oh yeah well so i i do remember like wind waker it was on wii u it was really convenient to be able to use the touch screen to like change your equipment without Mm. having to i've heard that too like the instant Um, inventory access yeah yeah so or maybe you did have to pause it was just that it was really quick uh but yeah i don't I don't love the second screen stuff, but that comes purely from a streamer perspective of it's hard to yeah, capture the exactly. second screen. And so, yeah. But uh, but as far as, like, just me playing it, uh, it's fine. The, the, the times that I really dislike having information on that second controller is when they did stuff like in Zombie <laughs> U. You had to, like, hold the controller up like this to, to look around and stuff, and it's like, ah, it's like a magic window out of here. Now, hang yeah. on. Hang on for just a minute, because I need to rebuke that, and it's controller-related, so I get to. <laughs> so I'm stoked as fuck for new Pokemon Snap, and... The thing I, the reason I've been stoked for is because ever since the DSi, the DS that had the ability to have camera tracking and thus do some kind of fun stuff with a camera, I have been going, I want a Pokemon Snap so bad where it looks like I can move the controller around as if I am holding a camera itself. Like the N64, obviously not capable of that. Um, but the Wii U was my first real thing. Like, oh my God, give me Pokemon Snap. Give me Pokemon Snap. Switch comes out. I go, oh my God, this is what Pokemon Snap is made for. Like, give us Pokemon Snap. We've, it, and it, of course it finally comes out. It's not out yet as of the recording of this podcast, but, uh, on launch day, I do plan on streaming it with my friend who's also a huge Pokemon Snap friend, uh, f- fan. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be good for Pokemon And I Pokemon don't think Snap. it's going to be good for games like shooters that you're talking about, like Zombie U. So I, I, I yeah, see yeah. the frustration there. I didn't play Zombie U, though, so at least <laughs> I didn't have to actually deal with it. I just saw someone doing that and was like, well, that game looks yeah, stupid. I've seen <laughs> Zombie U, I think, in one thrift store, and it was like all like fucked up. I, I, haven't, I, uh, I yeah, don't yeah. even think I've seen gameplay. Um but in terms of informational output, I guess unfairly Wii U wins uh, that that generation. But here's where I want to get to sound, because sound is actually way cooler than visual information from a controller. And I'll re- I can tell you the exact time that I knew that I was in love with this feature, uh, and and by proxy, the Wii controller, the Wii Mote specifically. Um, I was watching my girlfriend's cousin play twilight princess and 
I had been there for maybe five minutes and I saw the gameplay for even less. And Link needs to shoot something inside this castle. She pulls out the bow, draws, and you can hear the actual drawstring and creaking of the bow as she moves the Wii controller back to fire an arrow. And I, when I heard, like, I'm sitting over here to the left of her looking at the TV, and she's in the corner of the room. And when I hear the, the bowstring draw in the corner of the room, separate from where I'm hearing the audio of the TV, I go, holy shit, that's badass. I mean, I'm real magnified on it. It was a very, a very like, like subconscious two seconds, but like there was a solid minute there. I was like, "That's a fucking cool thing for a game." Yeah, console, you're so. essentially describing like my Destiny flashlight story, where it's just like, "Oh, oh hmm, you know," and then you know, and, yeah, exactly. And, and you, it just kind of you, you remember it. Yeah, it's utilizing a whole dimension of stuff that that was never there before. So. I need to go to bed pretty soon, but... Oh, okay, that's fine. But uh, my issue with speakers on controllers is that they always just sound like shit. Like They're uh, small. They're gonna. Yeah. And so I just can't get behind it when it just sounds terrible. Uh, the the one time though, I do have a uh, also a Wii story of the one time it was used cool in a Wii game, and that was Red Steel. Red Steel had a mode in it where like you're playing. It's so Red Steel was it, it was kind of like GoldenEye for the Wii, four player split screen. They had a game mode where each player was specifically supposed to kill another specific player. And uh, and that was the game mode, and it was like who could kill the specific player that they're supposed to kill first, and everybody had a different target, and um, and the game gave you the information by having the speaker be quiet, and everyone held it up to their ear like a phone, and the game told each player individually who their Whoa. target was. That's sick. That was cool. That was a yeah. very good use of that shitty little awful sounding speaker. Then there was also yeah. parts in No More Heroes where you got phone calls and you held it up to your ear and, and the sound would come out of it like it was a phone. But, you know, that was well, so cool too, thing. I guess. Yeah, so with phones, you know, it doesn't matter. Like, you can, it, you're allowed to have shittier audio quality. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Voice is easy to, you're getting information across. You're not listening to a movie over right. the phone, you yep. know? Um, so you can use shitty, cheap speakers in a controller. That said, how much do speakers that are in, like, smartphones these days realistically cost? Could it be that inexpensive to just throw one of those in a controller that people are paying seventy dollars for? Yeah, that is a good like, point. Because it right, can't be that hard. Yeah, because right, so like phones do sound pretty excellent for how small yeah. their speakers are. So that's, that's and a, good a controller. Question. Like, look at the speaker on the PS4 controller. It's got a pretty big. Like, this is a lot more open air than an actual phone is so something tells me you could probably fit a nice little beefy resonance chamber in there for a subwoofer effect like some computers do mm, i want it to be, be massaging my hands down there it's gonna be part <laughs> of the vibration experience that's the hd rumble yeah all right well uh if there's no other controllers you want to talk about in this specific episode uh i yeah. think we can call it a wrap yeah we'll get into wild and wacky controllers next time Cool. Well, guys, I have been Invictus Knox. Y'all can find me all over the internet with the Invictus Knox with a V. 
uh, name, and this has been Dash I'm, Retro. Yeah, I'm Dash. I'm on Twitch. My name is Dash Retro. On Twitter, it's Dash Retro TV, but you can just find that on my Twitch profile. If you want to find me anywhere else, it's all on the Twitch profile, so there you go. There you go. And we stream all throughout the week. Come check our schedules out. Everyone, uh, you can also hang out in the live recording of this podcast, too. So, yeah, y'all are awesome. Thanks for listening. Appreciate y'all. We'll, we'll see you next time. Peace.